Sell Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm Carly Jones from My Living Room. Each week, we will discuss what is happening in herpes culture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on our podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 13. Lucky number 13. It's going to be a little different this week. Uh, I've got two, I guess, guest co-hosts. Uh, Carly couldn't make it. She's got a lot going on right now. She's very busy with this whole coronavirus. So I got Ryan Cox to fill in for Carly. So that's big shoes there, Ryan. No, they're not. They're tiny shoes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big crop top you got to fill in. Ooh, I look good. Oh. And then our, our co-host for the week, our guest co-host for the week is Amanda Rua of Rua Colubrids, Rua Colubrids. I don't care. It's however you pronounce How do y'all pronounce it, Amanda? Uh, I'm just happy you got my last name right. Like, that's epic. It's three letters that baffles everybody. Um, I would say Colubrids. See, I'm always used to saying the Ruas. So right now, I, when we scheduled you, yeah. when we scheduled you, you're like, all right, so this is when I work and this is when Dallas works. It's like, no, no, no. I want just you. Dallas can have his own episode later on. I want Amanda to have her own episode. Dude, I didn't even tell him for like two days, and he <laughs> saw that I had a message. And he was like, by yourself? That's exciting. I was like, oh, God. I was waiting for him to be like, when is it my turn? <laughs> He'll get his later. But so this week we got uh, several things I want to discuss. But the first thing I want to bring up is for our good buddy, Joe Phelan over at uh, poor city pythons or poor city pets or from the ground up podcast, whichever one you want to know him from, but coming up this weekend, Saturday, May the 2nd, he is doing something amazing called CritterCon live. Um, because of the coronavirus, a lot of these outreach programs, these reptile outreach programs haven't been able to do any shows, uh, do any events and they still have the animals. They still got to feed the animals. They got to take care of the animals. Uh, and, and it hurts. It hurts the pocketbook when you, when you don't have an event to help pay for food. And so what, uh, what he's going to do is he's putting on this hundred minute long event Saturday. You pay $5 for a ticket and it's online. And each of these groups, we've got, let's see, Crosstown Exotics. We've got Roaming Reptiles, Coal Black Exotics, and even, you know, Snake Discovery, big YouTube stars, Snake Discovery. Uh, they're going to be doing 20 minute, uh, education programs with their animals online. Have the whole family pile in front of a computer or put it up on your smart TV. And it's only $5. And if you can't catch it live, if you pay the $5 for the ticket, you still have access to the video later on. So you can watch it at your leisure. Um, but it starts at 5 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, May 2nd. If for any information, you can email info at portcitypet.com. We put the flyer up on our Facebook page. You can find it in several other groups. We've posted it in there. It's a very good cause. And it's going to help out these folks that just, they haven't been able to go out and spread all their information and their love for reptiles because we've all been stuck at home. And so I, I encourage everyone to go out and do this. It's like I said, it's only $5. So what are y'all's thoughts on it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
What's up? I had actually had my thing on mute. <laughs> that oh, that I makes. Was, a, I was expecting him to go first. I know. <laughs> that was the wrong lever. Mute, mute makes it hard to have a conversation. No, I was. Oh. I was calling. You See, look, too. this is this is what happens when you don't have Carly. Thank God it's not live. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God this yeah. is live. Oh, I think I'm leaving this part in. Oh, no. But I think it's awesome because I think, you know, the Reply Outreach programs, they've been really hit. Like, they've been kind of kicked in the tooth by, you know, this coronavirus. They can't do any, you know, shows or anything. So you know, all the library programs, you know, school programs, church programs, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, whatever they do, uh, and that hurts. I mean, because I don't know about you, James, because I think. Yeah, I think you've done a little bit, right? You said with reptile days and bug days. I, I've done a few. I've never done them on the scale where like I needed that money. Like so these, I know Cross Town Exotics. That is that's like their business. Yeah, they like uh, he has a lot. Like he has a lot of animals. So I mean, even if you know you're missing, let's say three hundred dollars a month for food alone, because you're probably not even making money. Oh, yeah. you're probably just paying for the food at that point. And who knows when they're going to get to actually do a show again? Yeah, that's that's the big problem. Is uh, we'll op- things will open up in the next month or so. But it doesn't mean that their events will open back up. Well, Colin and Mike are in Illinois as well, and Illinois is taking this very sil- seriously. So, I mean, they're uh, I mean, they'd probably be out of work for a minute. Yeah, and Crosstown Exotics, I'm, they're the ones that have like the giant uh, Egyptian Euromastics, aren't they? Yeah, they were the one that you were geeking out about. Yeah, yeah, that Euromastics is awesome. It's like two foot of Euromastics. But y'all were geeking out over the Anaconda, though. I love Anaconda, so you can bite me. It's cool. I don't know. Johnny spiny tailed lizard is cool. That I mean, because cool I've got a small, I've got a little ornate year mastics. So they don't get that big, so being able to hold this giant one was pretty awesome. So, I, like I said, everyone should watch them. Tune in, even if you look, even if you can't make it, pay five bucks for the ticket. Just help them out. Um, these are people that are really spreading, and they're and they're good for the hobby. I mean, even like I said, Emily and Ed from Snake Discovery will be on there. I mean, they're one of the biggest YouTube stars when it comes to reptiles, and they do it right. They, I mean, they, they, there's not a lot of clickbait stuff on theirs, and they're very educational, and they give out a lot of good information. Um, and they have a lot of cool animals. I've started to notice lately. You can see they're really. It looks like they're really starting to prep for that uh, reptile zoo they're opening up. Because I saw the last video, they had a blackhead. Um, they had. Oh, I don't want to lie. I think they had a Kribo. So they had a blackhead. They had a anaconda because they're cool. <laughs> she had her uh, scaleless Texas rat. It looked like at one point. That's big too. It's also weird that it's just a chill Texas rat, which terrifies me. I want to make sure everybody go. I know they're talking about it on every other reptile podcast. It's kind of he's done a really good job, Joe, putting this together. Um, which is funny because it's it's not really to benefit him. He's not a an outreach program. But he saw a need, and he's going to try and help fulfill that need. So, again, it is next Saturday, which is May 2nd. If you're listening to this in three weeks, you missed it. Uh, it's 5 p.m. Eastern, and it's only $5. And, again, I said if you cannot make it, let you buy the ticket. You can watch it later. So, all right. So, let's move on to what we had going on on the Facebook page this weekend. We had two questions on our Facebook page this weekend. Uh the first one, let me pull up. I got a million tabs, so I need to get rid of some. Uh, the first one, I asked if, if when the expos open back up, are you going to go to them? Uh, so before I look, I read some of the responses I had on the page. Cox, what's your answer? If, if, they, if they open up, let's see, we are about to enter into May. Let's say they open up June, first week of June. Will you go to them? 
No, because I really don't go to shows. Uh, I'm that guy. If I need something, I order it. Uh, animals, I'm not going to get any animals I want usually at a local show. Uh, so, and that, Plus, I don't like it because of all this stuff you can bring home that you didn't plan to bring home. So I probably affected it, but I do feel bad for all the vendors and stuff that are out of work. Especially some people that are like that was their full time or the pet stores that made a lot of money off that. Uh, but just me personally, I I still won't be going to them. So let me ask you: if you're not not going to them because of the virus, you're just not going to them because they're not your thing in general. Yeah, I just don't go to them in general because you know of all the stuff you can bring back home from them. Yeah, I get that. I get that. What about you, Amanda? Um. Um, well, we, we've ended a few shows. We've ended, what, two shows? Maximum. Um, but I don't think that we'll go back once everything opens. I, I Nobody wants to give me six inches of space, let alone six feet of space in public. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I like my space even before all the shenanigans started. So, and Alabama's not taking this seriously at all. So, we probably gave it some time probably a couple months before we go. We've got one show that comes, um, I think he comes through every other month, to Coleman. Yeah. So we'll see how a few of those go. But I, uh, I've got, well, I do all the, I do not all of, I do a lot of the Herp shows, and they all got moved back several months. And I know the first one I've got planned is I think the first weekend of June, and then I've got another one planned second weekend of June. So I will be doing them. Um, I, I will be very careful about what I touch <laughs> and about mm. all that. Um, but I do understand folks not doing them. Uh, looking at some of the responses we had here, my, my wife responded on here. Of course, she's my help when we go to shows. So she kind of has to go with us, but we have questioned about taking our daughter to them. So we don't really know if we'll take her. Uh, so that's one, one thing we worry about. Several of them, Lori Torini says she'll wait. Ryan Goslow said he'll wait. Uh, Scott Borden's kind of like you, Ryan. He says he didn't go very often before, so it didn't really matter. Uh, Dallas said that he was hoping to go to uh, Daytona. So that would be y'all's first, I guess, big one, but that's not till August. Well, I've already booked a hotel for that, so we're just hoping we don't have to cancel so we can have a vacation. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about Daytona's... Uh, actually, you know, they canceled Tinley again. Yeah. So there's there, there will be no more... Uh, Warm Tinley, probably this year. <laughs> yeah, that was the the March Tinley that got moved to the June Tinley that is now going to not happen, and we're back to just the uh, October Tinley. Yeah, but uh, I'm curious about Daytona because uh, just let's say that for some reason that there is a second spike or something like that. So say we go on another two weeks, let's say we everybody incubates for two weeks, and then we start having stuff hit in the middle of May. And people don't take it seriously, you know. Do you think it could run through? Cause, I mean, June is not that far off. Uh, in August, really, I mean, hell, we're, we're we're in April now, almost done with it. That's not terribly far away if you think about it from that standpoint. Yeah, I think the problem is we don't really know. We just don't know in general. Any any we don't know how to react to any of this. And uh, part of me says, look, we can't we can't shut down forever. At mm-hmm, some point, exactly. we have to reopen. Uh, life has to go on post-corona. Uh, you know, and I think it's just a crapshoot. I think right now, we'll just uh, we use, what, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida as a guinea pig. And we'll yeah, see, let Georgia do the thing. We'll see how sick they all get, and if they're fine, we're good. 
So uh, that was our first question. Uh, it said Darren Watson. He also kind of think maybe May, June, or even July might be too soon. Uh, so maybe August. You know, it's it's tricky. I don't I don't know, but I do miss shows. I miss people because I know, and I talked about before. It depends on where you live. Your shows are completely different. But my shows over here are far more. It's a family, and I miss all my people from the shows that I see at every show, all my other vendors and everything. Whereas I know some of the other shows around the country, vendors aren't that close. They just show up, they sell their animals, they go home. And so that's different. Uh, but I do miss – I miss being around reptile people. I at least get this every week, which is nice. But I miss hanging yeah, out. I've been wanting to go to a herp show and actually check it out because I keep hearing it's wonderful things. Y'all should make it over. You're not that far of a drive. You should try and make it to the Slidell show. When we have Slidell's just north of, and I forget when it is, but it's just north of New Orleans, so it's not that far from y'all. And I have to look at the date. Oh, yeah, no, that's not terrible. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you would hit Slidell before you hit New Orleans. Um, they do a Slidell show and they do a New Orleans show, but the Slidell show tends to be bigger. Um, it's a really nice venue. We hang out. We all go out to eat dinner. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so you should definitely make it. I do know that. Is um, it a venomous show? Uh, Slidell is a venomous show. Ooh. Uh, a lot of the Herp shows are venomous. Slidell's a venomous show. I know that. Um, oh, my brain just went blank. He does corn snakes, and he's from Alabama, and he does a lot of corn snakes. Oh, um. Corn oh, I, I apologize for forgetting his name because I know, know I bought a corn snake. From- a bunch of corn snakes. Yeah. Do you like um, Breno? No. He's in a city. I'm a horrible person. I don't know if you can hear him while he's here. Yeah, chatting with me. I'm a horrible person because, uh, um, I know, I know Chris Montrose does water snakes and locality rats. No, this is like a, a but, big, big time corn snake breeder. Hmm. And he's, my brain just. SMR? No. South Mountain Reptiles, no. He's in, um, one of the Carolinas. Oh, well, hell. See, I, see, this is why we need Joe Phelan around. Joe could tell me right off the top of his head who it is. We don't have a live chat for this. Uh, well, no, never mind, because it's not live. <laughs> no, it is not live. <laughs> but I can look up. Let's see. Let me go to the great thing about Get the internet. Joe in on the call. I'm just going to go to the internet. I'm going to look up the vendor list, and I bet he's on the vendor list. Oh, my God. We'll be here all night, James. We are going to be here all night. The great thing is I can cut this out if I want to. Or people can sit here and just listen to me. Uh, I do have a buddy, Terry, who has Dixie Reptiles. He's from Alabama. He comes to the Slidell show. Um, but that's not who I was thinking of. Uh, and what really sucks is because like, I talked to – I mentioned his name quite a bit when I talked to to Joe. And – oh, it's on here somewhere. I know it's got to be on here somewhere. Hey, there's my name. I'll be at the Slidell show. <laughs> Amanda, are you all uh, actively trying to purchase more venomous for all Well, we just sold the two copperheads that we had. Oh, did you? Okay. And those um, were very dark copperheads. Oh God, they're, they're gorgeous. They like they're bands. They, they they weren't like they weren't that red copper color. They looked very at least in the pictures I saw. They looked very yeah. dark on the bands. Yeah, and they were they were more of like a tan than like any kind of like orangeish like warm color. Um. But that was actually the bigger one. Is it was a female that we found in the backyard. Oh wow! Our oldest was looking for bugs, and so we kept finding cicada molts. And we're like, "Well, let's go find a cicada." 
And my husband lifts up a rock, and sure enough, there's this snake. And my oldest comes running in. She's like, I snake out of your pocket. Oh my god, it was a good shoes. <laughs> so, nobody's allowed to run around in the backyard foot anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Real yeah. quick, Amanda, are you leaning back from the mic every now and then? Do I need to stop moving? Yeah, whenever you lean back, it, it sounds like you're yelling from across the room. I guess it's a very oh, sensitive... I was sensitive... trying to move my phone away from my face because Dallas keeps walking in and asking me things. Go away, Dallas. He's gone. <laughs> I figured out who it was. It was Walter... I won't move my phone. I'll it was it right here. <laughs> the corn snake person was Walter Smith. That's oh, hell. Walter Smith. Walter Smith. He uh he breeds. Shoot, I know that name. Yeah, he breeds a ton, and they're amazing. He comes from North Alabama to Slidell. Um, he's got amazing looking animals. Uh, but I think I one of my corn snakes is from. I was looking for just as funny. As a couple Slidell shows ago, I needed a albino corn snake because my albino corn snake died, and I use them for education shows. And when I do like stuff in my classroom, I use them for genetics. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to find just an albino corn snake? It's nearly impossible to find something that is just an amelanistic corn snake, and that's it. Like, this one's amelanistic, like, het, blood red, het, something else. Het. I'm like, I just needed an amel, but they don't exist. Yeah. Corn, corn snakes, dude, there are no single gene corn snakes anywhere. No, like, even my amel, she's het for, like, six different things. Yeah. It's like ball pythons. What's funny, oh, I don't know the last time I saw a normal ball python. I know they have to be produced. But at shows, no one ever has normal ball pythons. Unless it's like a whole summer. Once in a while, I see them. Like, we used to go to some of the Alabama shows or like down in South Beach. You'd see them. But it was like two. I never see them on breeders' tables, though. I always see them on reseller or wholesaler tables. Oh, yeah. But I never see, like, the breeders like, ah, we're not going to sell them. I'm thinking, shit, if you had just a rack full of normal females and you produced, I mean, they're 20 bucks a pop, you could sell normal ball pythons at every show at 20 bucks it's just you gotta be willing to do it and i guess you gotta figure out financially if it's worth it i guess but it's just it's just crazy you don't see them and i i, I feel like some people just need a regular ball python as a pet i, I mean i mentioned all the time i would love to have just a normal female ball python as a pet one because uh for some reason people can have a very big fear of snakes but ball pythons they're just so dumb and innocent looking that you can get uh, like a person's fairly petrified of snakes to be like, you know, to pet it. And then they want to kind of hold the tail. And then, you know, two hours later, they're sitting there talking to you, smiling ear to ear while holding, a, you know, this ball python. So I'd like to have one for that. Uh, I'd also like to have a, about 2.3 to breed for, you know, just get people who have snake eaters like Krebos or King Cobra, stuff like that. Maybe make a little side money doing that. I wouldn't mind if I had a ball python, normal looking ball python, if it was like the one. Is it Casey that has the, the giant locale ball python? Oh, he's got the uh, the the one from Southeast Carpet Fest. Yeah, yeah. The like, if you see the picture of him holding the big female, that thing is massive. I wouldn't mind a ball python like that. Yeah, her head's like the size of his hand. Yeah, you you give me a six foot ball python, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. See, we do the same thing. We have a male ball python. His name is Cubbo, and he just he's our little buddy. Everybody who comes over, they're like they never held a snake. We're like, hey, Cubbo. His <laughs> name is Cubbo Noodle. He's just this big, dumb, lovable snake. He doesn't do anything. But he's he's awesome. And then everybody's like, oh my god, these things are great. That's funny. I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm not a, I've said it before, I'm not a huge Wall Python fan, but if I'm going to get one, I do have a buddy, he put together a, a banana pied with a pied het banana, or no, 
Can't be hit banana. A banana pied with a pied. Uh, I told him if he produces another banana pied, I'm in. That's I love pied. I love banana. And that's like the two genes where if I'm going to own a ball python, I'm going to just get it done in one snake and we're done. Just get them both in one time. I just, I don't, I, the first time I saw a pied was actually the, the first time I ever saw one was when I bought my rainbow bow 17 years ago at a show. And I was like that as much as I, and they don't do much for me, but when I saw that just giant blotch of white, I was like, that's awesome looking. Uh, I know Amanda, you and Dallas had one for sale uh recently that looked amazing yeah we just sold her she looked amazing yeah um those animals came into us um a little underweight but uh they were only being fed like every three weeks really as like babies yeah so they weren't that old to be fed only every three weeks they're they're three and a half four years old oh were they really they look look small i guess that's why it's small they are really tiny they came in and they weighed like maybe 200 grams that's insane. That's insane. My adult Sambo was way like 600. I've got one that weighs close to 600 grams. Yeah, these little things were, they came from some, from some friends and they just, you know, they were, they didn't want to overfeed them. So they I mean, I guess it's better. Family. I'd rather that happen than overfeeding. Yeah. Yeah, at this rate, those snakes will live to be 50. <laughs> so, the other question we had on Facebook, and I've got a little bit of it, uh, experience with this was um do you remember the first time you had to assist or force feed and then uh see carly wrote this one so it's a little long. my questions are short and to the point and carly she's <laughs> she's a wordsmith here she said after you do it a couple of times it's a breeze and as low stress to the animals it can get although the first or second try can be a headache as you find your groove and realize these animals aren't as fragile as you thought let's hear your experiences and how it went and we only had two responses on here uh scott borden says he doesn't have to do it yet which is awesome and then Lance Kirkman uh, said that his manaquari won't eat for him. And some days he feels like force feeding, uh, but he hasn't done it yet. I've done it. I used to do it on some stuff, but I've kind of entered into a you eat or die mentality with a lot of my stuff. But I'm not yeah, breeding anything super rare. Like if I was breeding something that was super rare and we're still trying to figure it all out, then yeah, I'd probably be leaning towards I need to force feed these things. But I know I, I, my Sambo is like, y'all are going to eat or die. And usually I haven't had one starve yet. They may go an extra month and not eat, but eventually they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of not eating. And I will, I will try live. I will go. I mean, cause when they're a baby and you're trying a live pinky, I'm not really worried about that. And a lot of stuff will, if you try to start on live pinky, I found with a lot of my stuff sooner or later, I can get them over to frozen. Like I've got two rough scale Samboas when they were shipped to me. They were eating frozen. When I got them, they stopped eating frozen. And so I was having to do live. But last week I fed them and both of them took a frozen pinky from me. So we'll see if it happens again this week. But uh, Ryan, have you had to force feed anything? No, I've never actually. No, I've never had to force feed anything because retakes won't eat a drill bit if you give it to them. <laughs> uh, my carpet python, though, actually, he's funny. He's quite picky, but I, I don't stress over it. If he eats, if he eats, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I'm with you, James. Uh, I'm kind of in the mentality of, uh, well, he's my pet, and I, I love him to death. But if he doesn't eat, he doesn't eat. I'm not going to force it. Uh, I you know, grew up in a really rural environment raising you know dogs and different animals like that. And I've, I've just kind of seen over the years that animals that you force to live like that always just struggle their whole entire life. They always have something wrong. There's always just – they just don't have that spunk that other ones have. So well, just, 
and I don't give up on them. I studied biology in college, and I majored in ecology. And, and and then my thought is, not everything is supposed to survive. Unfortunately, that's the truth. In our hobby, we don't like it to be that way. You know, I've got four pregnant sambos right now, and when they have babies, I want all of them to live. But in reality, you've got to realize, and as they may all live, but in reality, in the wild, they're not, and they're not meant to. That's why they have twenty babies at a time. <laughs> they're not. They're not all supposed to make it. Um, and so it's, I guess it's that weird, you got to weigh nature versus nurture and we want to nurture things as much as we can. Uh, but am I also my mentality, if I'm breeding something and it's not a good feeder, I'm not going to sell it, you know, and that's, and that's a lot of people, if you're listening and you're not a breeder, which is great. Uh, that's why it's very important to your research. When you do buy a snake, you want to make sure that thing is eaten four five, six meals before it's ever gotten to you. And you want to make sure it's eating whatever you plan on feeding it. So if you want frozen, make sure it's eating frozen because it, I mean, you may have to go through a whole process of trying to get it to frozen if it's eating live when it comes to you. Which I've heard a lot about that actually. Uh, Amanda, you all actually have some, or that you all had, I don't know if y'all sold them or not. Y'all had some water snakes, didn't y'all? Yeah, actually, um, I still have uh, three of them. And they, you all were had them on silver size, correct? Yeah, they were eating fish. Um, I had some garter snakes too that were eating fish, and I just couldn't get those to go for some reason. They just didn't want to grow. Um, the water snakes, though, I got them. They were eating fish, and then they were eating pinkies that were covered in fish, and now they just take pinkies no problem. And that's another thing is. Uh, in our hobby, we want everything to eat mice and rats, um, and and water snakes. We know eat fish by nature, and so it's not saying they shouldn't eat mice. You can get them like you did, but if someone gets a water snake and they go, "This thing won't eat a mouse," well, yeah, millions of years have said it doesn't want to eat a mouse, so it's going to take some time. You know, you know that's like a lot of issues that we have with some of these snakes. Uh, like I love viper boas, but they naturally want to eat lizards. And as much as I would like to get viper boas, sometimes you have to struggle through that whole scenting, going through that process. And it's just a matter of if you're if you're willing to put that time in. So I love Wandros. Contros, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Justin. I remember when I first got into snakes, people used to talk about jungles being uh, picky eaters and having to feed them like 15, 20 mice at a time, adults that they could never get on rats. And I used to think, that's insane. Like Either it eats the rat or it starves. Stop like 20 mice having to feed something 20, 15, 20 mice in a sit- sitting can't be good. But what kind of water snakes were they, Amanda? Um, they're southern bandits. I've uh, got two females and a male. I do Originally, love Originally, I had bought three females from a friend of mine. And she was like, oh, sorry, here's a male. So, I do love bandits. Bandits are with that red, they're really pretty. I also like diamondback water snakes. I would love if they if they didn't bite and smell so horrible. I would love a giant diamondback water snake. They Are get, those the Clark guy? Oh, don't make me lie. Let's quit using scientific names. Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Well, because the the Clark guy are the only ones that we can't have here. No, it's rhombifer. Oh, the rhombifers. Okay. But they get massive. Like they they can get like six foot long and thick. I've seen some in the wild, and they're they're big. Yeah, you because know, normally like, I see like yellow belly water snakes, and they they're never really that big when I see them. But and I've seen some bandits, but the diamondbacks are massive. I've heard Montrose talk about uh, how 
he's being Captain Bread Born Bloodlines or whatever that they're not they're not body at all. He says they stink a little bit, but that's because you know they're big colubrid polybrids are home running around the cage. <laughs> well, that was I was doing a show once, and this girl she had to be I don't know twelve maybe. I uh, was looking at one of my sambos as a possible pet. I was asking, oh, do you have any snakes? She had, uh, I think it was a banded water snake as a pet. And like she had video of her holding it, feeding it by hand. It was gentle as hell. I'm like, that's amazing. First off, this little girl is properly taking care of a water snake. Second, it's not biting her. Like <laughs> that's, I, that's all I'm used to. Like yellow belly water snakes, every time I have to remove them from the zoo, did nothing but bite the whole time. Um, but this little like 12 year old's taking care of a water. That's her first snake was a water snake she found. So I thought that was kind of—I thought that was kind of cool—and she was doing it right. It, I mean, I saw the setups, saw the pictures, saw the videos, and she was doing it right. She had done all her research on it. I mean, she she was probably better prepared to care for that water snake than most adults are to care for the first ball python they bought. So that was impressive. I, it it really is when you see some of these kids that like they come in and you ask them questions and they have all the answers. You're like, oh damn, this kid actually researched. And then like this adult walks up and goes, like when I had red tail boas for sale, and they go. Is that a retick? Oh, damn. Oh, shit. So, uh, the other, so that was our, our force feeding. And Amanda, you said that y'all are also on the line of not really force feeding, right? Yeah, I agree that it's going to stress out the animal too much because they, you know, they've got to use so much energy to process that meal. And you're dealing with such small animals. Uh, yeah, you don't. There's nothing small. I mean, unless I chop off tails of like, no. We've had. Um, I find that the lavender gene of the corn snakes. Some of those, like, they just don't want to. They don't want to eat. I think we lost three out of like the five that we had. Oh because man! Because they just they would they would eat. And then all of a sudden they would just regurge. And we're like, all right, we'll we'll wait a couple weeks and we'll try feeding again. And then they were just not interested. Man, that sucks. I just, yeah. you know, and it's one of those things, and you hear people argue both sides, but I still feel like feeding behavior is something you can breed. Like, if, if you have a strong feeder and you breed that, you have a better chance of those babies being strong feeders. And I feel like if you have a weak feeder and you can get it to adulthood and breed that, it's a possibility that, that their babies could be weak feeders. Like, these are things that I think nature weeds out on its own that we just kind of keep in the bloodlines. Because that yeah, that one that, well yeah that one tricky feeder was worth five hundred dollars we're not gonna let it die but the the twenty dollar one ate right away and it was great so it's yeah well and it's our kind of our responsibility to make sure that we're putting out um, quality animals yes so you know if I'm purchasing snakes that don't want to eat and are hard to get going well you should you know that that five hundred dollar snake that doesn't want to eat all right sorry you're going to get buried in the dirt. You know, the $30 snake that eats, raise that up, breed that, it eats. Yeah. You know, if somebody's going to buy a pet, I want it to last as long as humanly possible for them. Well, that's why it's 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 vitally important for anybody buying an animal. Do your research on the breeder. Make sure they're trustworthy. Because there are a lot of people that out there will tell you, yeah, it ate four times. And then it hadn't touched food since it was born, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, I mean, but and nowadays with with – the curse that Facebook is sometimes, it's also a great place. If you have a question about a breeder on a species, and I'm going to hit some topics on that later on a video I watched, but you can find out about that person from someone. You know, it's, and sometimes it's a little harder if they're a new breeder and it's their first clutch or litter and it, and it can be a little tricky. But you can do some research on what they've posted online before and kind of get an idea for that person too. You can, you can Facebook stalk them. It's cool. 
I Facebook stalked Amanda earlier just to see kind of what I realized that y'all have a, a very large variety of animals in your collection. Yeah, we're working on um, kind of slimming it down and focusing on what we really, really want to have. We went nuts at Daytona and we bought like 23 snakes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and Jesus rats. Yeah. Y'all really like those, like, <laughs> I don't mean this in a, but like dirt colored corns, like rat snakes, like those, those natural colored oh rat snakes. Oh my God, snakes. I love rat snakes. <laughs> yeah, most, like when I look at yours, most of it is like gray and brown rat snakes. Like well, locality stuff, but one. I have not. Oh my God. You know, you gotta look up a picture of wasabi. Wasabi. My white, my white sided black rat snake. Oh, those are cool. Oh God, she's so pretty. And I finally found a male. Um, I believe Chris Muller, Muller, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he has a male that looks just like her that he's going to send to us once the shipping shenanigans calm down. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make lots and lots of little white babies. Oh, you'll have to give me some, because I like the white sides because they look all, look awesome. But also, I found out listening to one of Joe's podcasts, God, I don't even know how long ago it was, that those actually originated from the county above mine in Kentucky. Well, that's cool. The, the first one was wild caught in Jefferson County, Kentucky, apparently. Are you talking uh, about the white side or the calico? Ooh, am I, uh, I thought it was white side. Maybe no. From from what I understand, the white sided was in Ohio years and years and years ago. It would be a guy. Because my uh, my calicos are from Jefferson County. Really? Oh, yeah. Not eight two of them. Oh, I will be producing calicos next year. That's my um, long-term project is I have the two of them in a 4x2x2 um, like terrestrial and arboreal setup. Oh, and, that's uh, cool. They've, they've lived together for the last two years of their life. Now, you cohabitated them their whole life, you said, right? Yeah, they were maybe, I think, six and eight months old. Oh. The male's younger. Uh-oh, Facebook police are going to come after you. Uh, it happens. Now, oh, uh, they can fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you been brumating them, like, uh, every winter or so like that, or do you just let them go and you're going to brumate them whenever you want to breed? Because I bet you want to do that with my gray rat snakes. Um, we don't, I don't. I mean, everything stays the temperature that the house hits. Okay. Um, some of our winters get down to 50. And their heat is only on a 12-hour cycle. They only have heat for the day. Oh, okay. So, oh. and they're in... Our reptile room is actually like... This room's like 12 by 18. So. You have to corny and pick your brain on that one day, because I really would like to do something really similar to that in my gray rat snake. So, I think I found it. It's it's fairly white with a little bit of black on the top of its head. I think I yeah, found a picture Yeah, I actually said he's going to post a picture of it now. Ooh. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Thanks, Dallas. Good job, Dallas. Now go away. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Good job, Dallas." <laughs> he says, "Okay, he's sorry." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, y'all have like y'all have um, yeah y'all. Before we got on here, you were talking about retics, so y'all have retics. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that y'all had a boa constrictor. Yeah. Yes, we do. I don't know anything about him. He just kind of <laughs> came to us. He came with the ball pythons. A friend of ours um, 
he moved, he just got a pilot's license, and he really wasn't giving them attention that they needed. So he's like, hey, he's like, take these, please. So, and then y'all got amazing. Y'all got Venomous. I've seen that. Y'all got Cane Break. You had some Copperheads. Yep. And, I love uh, Cane Break. Her name is Mo Rocca. Yeah, I saw that. Mo. Yeah. <laughs> she's so awesome. She's like, um, right after a shed, she's like lavender on the sides. Oh, that's cool. It's amazing. So how long have y'all been? Were, were you in Reptiles? I, I know that you've been on every other podcast, and I'm, I know I've listened to them, but I've slept since then. I haven't been on anybody's podcast. You were on, weren't you I on a, fr- From the like Ground a, Up? The, the the little quick bites. That's right. Yeah. So were you into Reptiles before Dallas? Um, I I was always one of those houses where, like, mom said no snakes. Ah. So, um, but in high school, my friend had a ball python and his older and I immediately fell in love with that giant burn. And then, and then Dallas has always been on the back burner. Dallas, he got into snakes about the same time that I was like, hey, we need a low maintenance pet. <laughs> and then I was like, well, yeah, snakes? One was low maintenance. <laughs> it's been downhill since then. <laughs> they were low maintenance when you had one of them. They're not low maintenance when you have 40 of them. No, they I have 60. Okay, or 60. Especially since you have 60 shitting snakes. Well, a large group of yours are are shitting snakes that shit all the time. Well, I eventually want to downsize this collection, and I want to go towards Krebos. Oh, big, big shitting snakes. snakes. Yes, yeah. I For some reason, I just eat all the poop. <laughs> but, so, so how long have y'all been breeding? Um, we've really only bred that. We had the one pair of our original corn snakes that we bred, and then realized that that wasn't really the pairing of we wanted. They just made normal tesseras. Yeah. With, like, head for hippopotamus. <laughs> so, uh, we sold those to a friend of ours. And then, um, we picked up the Kasachis, which, those will be going next year. I, I love, I love that you call them Kasachis and just pisses Joe off whenever I say it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, Kasachi, Kasachi, Kasachi. I love it because, like, I can drive five minutes away and be in Kasachi. So, I'm like, fuck it, I'm calling them Kasachis. I live here. So. Yeah, and Jackie Joe got a whole bunch of them too, which is pretty cool. I never, I never knew about them until, until so I got a job at the zoo here in Louisiana, moved to Louisiana, and they had a corn snake on exhibit, and I'm almost positive it was a Kasachi because this thing was the biggest corn snake I'd ever seen. And for the longest time, I was like, ah, it's got to be a hybrid with like a rat snake or something, because I mean, she was easily six foot and thick, but like dark brown. And then I started looking at some of the adult pictures of the Kasachis, and I was like. Yeah, this has got to be what that is. It's got to be that. And and knowing that it was most likely locally caught and brought to the zoo, I'm like, it's got to be. Because it's not what I think of when I think corn snake. You know, it wasn't red and orange. And so, but she was big. She would eat medium rats. No problem. Jesus Christ. No problem. I mean, like, without a lump. Wow. So, but that was, yeah. she, she was big when That's I got there. Um, oh, we used to have three Texas rats, well, Western rats, whatever you want to call them, but like they were each almost seven foot and pissy. Yeah, they were fun. We had, uh, two Texas rat projects and uh, Baird's rats. Baird's? You sound like, you sound like Justin. Wait, it's his fault. <laughs> he mentioned Baird's and Baird's and Baird's, and I was like, oh, let's <laughs> 
Amanda goes, wait, did you say that ends in rat snake? I need that. Exactly. I wouldn't mind. I'm surprised. And I guess it's because they don't, I don't know how they are feeding and all, but like the green rat snakes they have out West, I'm surprised those aren't worked with more in the hobby because those things look awesome. They're green. One thing is the hobby loves green snakes and we have one in America. It's a green rat snake. Yes. Google green rat snakes. You've never seen green rat snakes? Well, I mean, I've got one that's greenish. His name no. is Andro. No, these are these are green. Oh, the western green rats are cool. They're, okay, Dallas, I have to see this, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, at one point we had every rat snake except for the green snake existed in fox snakes. Fox snakes are pretty. Yeah, they have a lot I'm of color. Did y'all ever oh, mess with the, uh, the snake Pecos? I did actually. We had one for a little bit. Um, I just, I don't think we were keeping her right. And then a friend of ours picked up a male that looked just like her. So we sent her over there. I, uh, so, all right, we, we went off talking about rat snakes. <laughs> Let me try to get back on, on topic. It's a wonderful tangent. I know. Well, on retics now. I heard that. No, forget retics. So, so one thing I do want to talk about is a couple of things on the on the website before we move to like some YouTube stuff from this week. But one that I shared on the Facebook page that I thought was very interesting was the title was "Time to Kill Off the Term Brumation for Hibernation and Reptiles." Um, and I read that, and it's it's a little tricky to understand. But the idea of brumation was that I don't want to get it wrong. They shut down. Well, there was a difference. There was a difference between shutting down because it's cold and shutting down because that time of the year you shut down. Um, and basically you're saying for whatever we keep calling brumation and snakes, it's truly hibernation. Um, and we can quit using the word brumating. But if you want to read it and it sounds a lot smarter, go read it. It's on our Facebook page. Um, but I read it through the first time. I was like, that's kind of interesting because you always hear brumating gets thrown around a ton. Not so much with my snakes because I got boas. We don't brumate shit. But You've got rat snakes and and corn snakes, and so I'm sure y'all brumate those guys, or at least you know. I actually I don't. You don't see. I don't do it either. I don't do it with anything. Yeah. I'm one of those oddballs. I mean, I cohab things. I don't brumate. I mean, they're coming. To, they're coming to take your animals away from you, Amanda. Pitchforks oh. and fire. <laughs> monsters, just monsters. <laughs> I, I like I said, I said before on on episodes, it's brumating or hibernating scares me with things like. Uh, like the Brettles or the Black Russian uh, Samboas, where you have to drop them down into the 50s and 40s. Like, that's that whole idea scares me. And living in the South, and you know this because you live in Alabama, we're not we're about the same. We don't really have like brewmating weather. So, if you're going to brewmate something, you're going to have to have, or hybrid something, you're going to have to have a refrigerator. Because um, Joe before has been like, well, it drops down into freezing down there. I was like, yeah, it drops down into freezing. And then, so it could be 30 degrees in the morning and then 80 degrees in the afternoon. I was like, there's, it doesn't work. I'd have to have something to put them in. So yeah, see, and that whole idea of putting snakes in a, like a refrigerator just freaks me out. scares the shit out of you, doesn't it? Uh, open the door and have popsicles. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just oh, I mean, I I, I will probably have to do it someday because I do want to have black Russian samboas at some point. I do want to have rubber boas, and I've heard rubber boas have to go through it also. But God, it's horrifying. Uh, I love what you were, you were talking about. Case talking to Casey Canada the other day. He's talking about putting his house on the porch and stuff in Georgia. And I'm just like, 
James could do that in Louisiana. He could put a bread line on a porch. Yeah, but well, he's living at higher elevation. I know. So he's probably getting he's getting an actual winter. So that's my problem is I could put it outside on the porch and be like, oh yeah, it's forty degrees, and I come home and it's cooked because it's now ninety degrees. I'm like, although it's a brettle, so it'd be fine. It, it wouldn't care. It would just go oh, okay. Yeah, I w- wouldn't give a damn. So, anyways, that article's on there. People should go read that. Uh, also, I made my weekly post about people suggesting what they wanted to hear about. And I do want to mention, uh, Graham has put out another video of an author reading the first chapter of a book. And it was Craig Trumbauer reading uh, More Than Snake Hunting, his own book, More Than Snake Hunting, reading the first chapter of that. That whole series that Graham's doing, I think it's very interesting. Uh, uh, you know, the first one, you have to watch Father Time read. So, that was great. Hey, you leave Father Time alone. <laughs> So, this, <laughs> I, first time I saw this, I was like, it's Father Time. And then another thing that was interesting that was posted, and this this one I read was, it, it scares you. Well, if you're a guy, Amanda probably won't bother you at all. But uh, it was a guy got bit by a Taipan, and he lost his testicles. He didn't get bit in the testicles by the Taipan. He got bit by a Taipan. The venom affected his body, and it caused his testicles to not work anymore. That's horrifying. That is terrible luck. That is just like... So, so for all the folks out there on YouTube freehandling shit, and you're like, ah, oh, and you're missing a finger, realize it could be your dick next time, so be careful. It could, could be your dick you, next time. You could lose your dick because you want to look all manly handling that venomous snake. But yeah, that, that article, if you want to read it, that that is, uh, it's also on our Facebook page. I, I read through that, and the whole time I'm just like squeezing my legs together. I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. But well, you're, say you're squeezing something else. You whoa, know. whoa, hey. <laughs> well, maybe. Left quickly. <laughs> All right, moving on to another topic. So, uh, oh, I had the Rua, Rua Colubrids, Rua Colubrids mention me in a post. I wonder what it's about. Oh, because he's got nothing better to do. <laughs> it's the. Don't blow up his ego anymore. That is a very pretty thing. By the way, if you're listening, go over to Rua Colubrids. Rua call you brids. I, I say it both ways just so everybody feels feels we're happy. Please Owen McIntyre. <laughs> uh, no, oh, we are not pleasing Owen. It Look. rhymes with our last name. Rua Kalu. Rua Kalu brids. Y'all could just start your own company where you make drinks using Kalua, and it could be Rua Kalua. Come bartenders. Y'all just yelled brids out of nowhere. Rua Kalua brids. Oh. <laughs> He's trying. Uh, See, I told you it wasn't going to go well just having me on. He's, go he's away, trying. Dallas. He's like, he's like Jim McIntyre on NPR. He just yells out of the corner and you go, what? Oh, my God, yes. Jim, Jim from Morgantown. Jim from Morgantown. Jim from Morgantown here. But go over, <laughs> go over to the Rua's Facebook page and check out. It's a very pretty, I mean, for a, for a rat snake. <laughs> it is very you pretty. Sausages in the sand. I do. They are. They are a little fat. So I say I breed them. I've got four snakes that are refusing to give me their babies. So I don't know. Uh, I heard you put them in a box and shake them to give, give you the babies. <laughs> I could just roll them up like toothpaste. Oh, I'm. I'm just. I'm going crazy. That's oh. that's the biggest problem with being stuck at home all day. Is instead of checking on my snakes thirty times a day like I would normally, I now check on them ninety times a day because I'm here all day. And they still haven't given me babies. That's probably why, because there's some giant sass <laughs> at That's probably true. Every time they're like, oh, I'm going to go, oh, shit, what's that? Oh, fuck, it's wrong. <laughs> so, they'd be probably. pregnant in Jurassic Park. Like, what the hell? 
right, so I want to... I think I'm good. Now jump to what I saw on YouTube this week, since we covered what happened on our Facebook page, and we talked about rat snakes, little little dirt-colored rat snakes. <laughs> Lovely <laughs> dirt. I, I did catch a... Uh, so I caught a wild gray rat snake when my parents lived in Tallahassee, Florida. In the yard, there was this, like, three-and-a-half-foot wild uh, gray rat snake, and it was so calm. I was able to pick, pick it up, get lots of pictures, and that was one of the prettiest gray rats. It was this light, light gray Instead of like that dark, uh, like muddled gray you get in some of them where the black starts to mute into the gray. This was very crisp. If I could ever find one that looked like that again, I would, I would probably like it. It was, it was very pretty. But then I moved out here and all of our rat snakes want to kill you. Oh, what's like, um, well, you might like Onyx, the one we just got. Um, Dallas found him. He's gorgeous. He's gray and black and just a little bit of white. And he's like six feet long and he's straight out of the wild and he's handleable. Yeah, that doesn't happen with six-foot Texas rats. No, <laughs> I have little tiny Texas rats, and they're spastic. Man, I just remember used to hand, having to handle those like seven-footers with a hook. I'm like, this has got to be what it's like handling a like pissed-off like Taipan or Cobra or something. Like it's just coming at you, and you're just trying to keep it away from you the whole time while holding onto the tail. Right. But they used to be funny. You could just chunk like eggs in there, and they would just eat the eggs. That was always fun. I've been wanting to do that. I've been wanting to get quail eggs to feed to some of the snakes just to see. Oh, we used to feed full-grown chicken eggs to the big ones. I uh, I had to go remove one from someone's house once because it uh, it was in a chicken coop. And when I got there, they'd already hit it with a shovel, and like half the skin was peeled off. And Aww. but they were like, "You don't see the chicken I tried to eat?" And I'm thinking it was like a little tiny banny chicken, a small one. No, it was a full-grown chicken. It killed a full-grown. And this snake was only like three and a half foot long. Like, vicious. And killed a full-grown chicken. So, they will try. So, YouTube, moving to YouTube, uh, one video I saw this week that I liked, and of course I mention it all the time, and we've had them on the podcast, was Wiccan's Wicked Reptiles. Had one on, title was, Turtles Do Not Make Good Pets for Everyone, which I believe is a 100% true title. Uh, I, and I need people to realize, I did not say turtles don't make good pets. They just don't make good pets for everyone. Terrible. They, they are, I, I remember as a kid, uh, I, I love reptiles, and my parents, they bought me a radio slider, an adult radio slider, and it wasn't until I got home we looked at it that it, we realized, one, it was missing a back leg, and in the spot where the back leg was supposed to be, it was a giant leech attached to it, so it was obviously a wild college radio slider, and then we ended up just putting, like, in a 10-gallon tank on the back porch, like, it was horrible, and I think back, back is like, like, that, that poor, poor fucking turtle. turtle. I think we ended up just letting, letting it go, go. Which, which is also, I guess, up north, north of the tour, but down here we have radio sliders everywhere, so, like, no, no one's, one's going to notice another radio slider. Uh, but that happens to a lot of turtles, unfortunately. They, get, they either die or, or a month into it, people realize, oh, man, that tank smells horrible because you didn't put a filter on it. And you just let it go. And so I watched the video. And I, there are a lot of turtles that I think are very, very cool. But I know I don't have the time to care for a turtle. The time to clean and deal with all the filtration. Because I think Matamatas are amazing. And I would love to have a Matamata. But that's a big turtle. You know? Have either one of y'all had turtles? Uh, Dallas hatched out some Eastern Box Turtles last year. See, those, that's cheating, though. Those aren't really... I mean, they're turtles, but they're turtles disguising as a tortoise. That's a damn terrapin. It's, it's, it's pretending to be a tortoise, really. I mean, it's like, I'm going to hang out on land... And I'm going to grow this highly domed shell and these big elephant-like legs. 
but you're gonna have to call me a turtle. <laughs> yeah, I like. I did have a box turtle as a kid. Uh, I've never put a like a bingo dab dot on the back of it. Because, uh, like, like <laughs> my mom played bingo and had a, had a pink dot on it. I remember outside playing with them. I put it down in the grass. I ran inside real quick to grab something and came back out, and it was gone. And my mom probably spent the next hour and a half searching the woods behind our house trying to find this turtle. She never did. Um, and But I love box turtles. But it's tricky. You got to be careful because, like, some box turtles you can't have, some you can't have. Uh, and then, like, yeah, I think you have to have, like, a fishing license for some of them if you want to own it. Uh but those are cool. Yeah, in Alabama, the, the box turtle, it's like one per family or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Uh, they're cool. They're, they're interesting because as tortoise-like as they are when they're older, you know, eating mostly vegetation, and they, and they, very, they look very much like a tortoise. As a baby, they like water. Uh, they eat worms and insects for the most part. Uh, they're very turtle-like as a baby. Uh, and they're cute. They're not as domed yet when they're hatched and... They're cute little babies. Uh, I, I would suggest a box turtle is a good pet, as long as you do it legally. Don't I mean, don't break any laws. But I think box yeah. turtles are good. Ryan, if you have... Flyers. No. Flyers are terrible. Oh, no. I've never had a turtle. I've had lots of friends have turtles over the years, and that was enough to make me realize, like, these are stupid and terrible, oh. and you need to just... Here's the thing, you said you put a filter. No, you need like an extra. You need like a fifty gallon oh, yeah. filter on a, on your twenty gallon. Yeah, you, you need a you need a big canister filter on the seventy five gallon because they just they 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 poop so but, much and they're so terrible. But for the person that's willing to put the time in and the money into a turtle, they can, some of those species can be amazing. I mean, because uh, is it Waterland Tubs makes amazing turtle tubs that are part. I don't think they're still around. I know they were around for a while. I haven't looked into turtle tubs in forever. But you know that like they're one fourth land. Uh, three-fourths water with a big ramp and you can, like, they're really cool and I've always thought, like, I used to work with them when I was at the zoo. Diamondback Terrapins are awesome and they've kind of grown in the hobby um, as long as they get <laughs> as long as they get taken in legally because I know there were some issues with people illegally taking Diamondback Terrapins. Oh my god. But Diamondback Terrapins, for me, as far as turtles, have the most like, they, they have the, my brain doesn't want to work. But their faces, when they look at you, you can see that they're looking at you and they don't look like they're just like floating around in the water, shitting all over the place. Whereas like a regular slider, it's just floating around in the water, shitting all over the place. Well, it's also because diamond-like terrapins are also blue and cool. They are. And they come in so many different patterns. Depending on where you find them in the U.S., uh, there's a lot of different patterns. But they have, they have a lot more character. That's the word. I was like, for character. I didn't realize they ranged as far as they did. Oh, yeah. All the way up to like Delaware and all the way down here to Louisiana. We were watching, uh, me and Kara, my girlfriend, were watching a video or documentary on our Netflix. Uh, it's like Earth at night, like Night on Earth or something like that. It's like a, it's like a nocturnal animal documentary on Netflix. It's really well done and surprise, it's not narrated by David Attenborough. Shocked me. <laughs> but, uh, they actually, one part of it is about a diamondback terrapin in New York City. Yeah. Like it's like a 4th of July and it's like trying to like, find a place to build a nest, but all the fireworks are disturbing the terrapins so much now. I think that's where the guy got busted. He um, he was up there, and what he was doing was he was going out and collecting all these pregnant females, uh, bringing them back in, injecting them with Pitocin to get them to lay the eggs, and then selling off the adults and then selling off the babies. Oh. 
And when they came to his place to, uh, they busted his place, they realized he didn't have any, like, true setups for breeding pairs. He was a, and he was a, he'd been doing this for a long time. He had been known for being the guy that breeds and sells Diamondback Terrapins. I can't remember his name, but, uh, I think that's, if I remember the story correctly, when they got to his place, he didn't have setups for breeding pairs of ter- Terrapins. Because he wasn't keeping pairs. He was just going out and collecting, illegally collecting these females and bringing them in and taking their eggs. Jesus Christ. Which is a shame because they, like they are a really cool turtle. And again, if someone wants to take the time to set them up, you can have amazing turtle setups. Uh, but if, if you're wanting something with a shell as a pet and it's the first time and you don't have a tortoise, go get you a Russian tortoise. They're far more forgiving. There's no water. Water gets nasty with turtles. I, I, I can't express enough how much turtle water smells so horrible. It's it's raw sewage. It's just horrible. So that video I liked it. Um again, turtles I don't it's it's not as common now. I remember as a kid when I mean, you found turtles all over. I don't remember when they passed the law for it was it has to be four inches, I think, to sell. Yeah, I don't know when that passed, but as a, when I was a kid you'd see turtles all the time in pet stores for sale. The little tiny cute baby green turtles all over the place. You remember, you remember this, this little tiny cute baby green turtle in a plastic like tub that had a little island with a little palm tree on it. Gee, sh- I luckily I have never ever seen those because I'd probably be never. Oh, kid. I remember it was it it was like the size of a very large soup bowl, and it was in the middle had a little plastic island that came up with a little plastic palm tree so it could come out of the water and sit on a little island, and then he poured water inside it. It was horrible. <laughs> but I you, feel like I've seen that before. You, you used to see them all the time at pet stores as a kid. But, you know, now they're like, you can't sell if it's four, if, unless it's four inches because kids put them in their mouths. I feel like that's natural selection. I mean. Is that really why it's that size? Oh, like that's the rest- yeah, it was, it was because kids will put them in their mouths and get salmonella because they can't lick it once it's four inches, apparently. But oh, okay. the little ones are a choke hazard also, and, or they can get salmonella. Like, or the parent could just not suck. Wow. I didn't even realize that was, we, you know, we always assumed that that was like a, like an age marking of like, you know, now they're no. established. Yeah. You know, no. They're a couple inches wide. No, it was just simply so kids wouldn't put them in their mouths. <laughs> okay. I mean, you also it's. You make me question the pet stores I was around whenever I was growing up. I'm learning a lot about myself right now through this conversation. <laughs> We just had caiman in big fucking stores around me. I remember pet stores having caiman. I remember pet stores having like big iguanas for sale. Um, yeah, the big iguanas, and they had like would always have like a, a it was probably a black caiman, probably no, it was like a dwarf caiman, quote unquote, you could buy for like three hundred bucks. Every cage was green carpet. Yeah, astroturf, oh that green astro. Every, everyone was green astroturf, and it had those. Remember the ceramic bowls that would usually they're like brown or tan ceramic bowls, like a blue line, or they were blue on the inside. Yeah, the blue, it's like it's like brown on the outside. It was, it was that, and then every snake cage, almost well, every reptile cage had a heat rock. I, I remember. Rock, oh, had the red heat bulbs. I mean, we had a heat rock for my first boa when I was in first grade, but I mean, we didn't know any better. That was what everybody had. That was if you had a snake, you had a heat rock. You know, and people nowadays go, "Oh, that's horrible." Well, shut the fuck up. You weren't alive then. You don't understand. That's how everyone kept. I mean, that was what you were told. It was, and we didn't have the internet going. Hey, heat rocks will burn your animal. See, we had the internet, but I'm in Kentucky, so we're just behind on the times. Like <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus took forever to cut his mullet off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to realize how many people, younger people, there are in the hobby, and that I'm, and I'm not that old. I'm 35, but for some reason, everyone I talk to is younger than me. 
And I don't, <laughs> my stories start to be different than theirs. I'm like, oh shit, I am getting older. No, Bill Spiegel and Eric Burke are the old men of the hobby. Yes. <laughs> Eric Burke. <laughs> when I first met him, I called him Mr. Burke. He told me that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Was... He told me that. Oh my God, Mr. Burke. Oh, he said that last God. week on the, uh, I think on the podcast, we were talking. Oh, I was, and... yeah, I was like, oh God. I was like, I was so embarrassed looking back at him. Mr. Burke. <laughs> I have, I've been listening to them since we got like our, our corn snakes years ago. I it, found all these different reptile podcasts, and then I was like, Morelia. I was like, oh my god, this is sweet. Now I have like half a dozen of them. Well, I talked to him last week. It's so weird. Uh, and it's, it's really weird for him because they've been doing it for so long that they become kind of the expert when people think of them. Whether they are or are not, they get thought of that way. And we're talking about how that's that's basically what YouTube has turned into. I mean, if you if people see you a lot, you are the expert, whether you are or not. Um, you know, a lot of people know of Ryan now because he's been on every podcast that exists. Ryan, that's how I get too crazy. <laughs> Ryan, how often do you get people messaging you questions about stuff? Uh, I not really. Usually, I, I mean, I've had a few people. The weird thing is, like. I, cause you know, like every once in a while, I'll make a post on my page and I'll share it to like different groups. And I share it to a local group here in Kentucky. And I have people message me from there and they're like, hey, do you know, do you have any carpet pythons? Do you have sulcatas? And I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> but I can point you to someone who does. Oh, well. It's so weird. Yep. If, if everybody's want go listen to last week's episode with Mr. Burke. Uh, it was a good episode. Mr. Burke. I do, I do apologize to the sound on. Hopefully, the sound on this episode ends up being fine. Uh, but Mr. Burke's episode. That other one. Problem on this one is is Amanda's volume keeps going down, coming in and out. But what's well, it's that sounds like it's just a connection issue. Yeah, it's because she lives in Al- it's she lives in Alabama, and I'm from there. Hey. We're they're behind yeah. too. Yeah, we're slow. Dude, I just got a 5G tower literally 100 yards from my house. Oh, that's why you're gonna get sick. 5G, it's gonna kill you. Well, here's the thing. It's been That's... up and it's been experimental for two years now, and I've had two bars of internet in my in our shop where I hang out at all the time, and it got bumped up. It's online today. I got full bars, five G. Hell yeah, life's good. Hell yeah, five G and Corona and cancer. There you go. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's be honest here. We keep reptiles. We're all exposed to salmonella and all kinds of other bullshit all the time. That that is true. All right, so next video I want to talk about. Uh, these guys, I had two videos that kind of went together. Uh, Snake Discovery put out a video on how to buy reptiles online. Uh, so I want to talk about that for a second, just because I know some people that, hopefully, some people that are listening to our podcast are new to the hobby and they don't understand how that whole process works. And then all, Animals at Home also had buy reptiles, uh, what you need to buy before you buy. Buying reptiles. I, I th- may have messed up the title, but it was about buying reptiles as well, things you need to know before you buy. And those two kind of went together. Um, I know that buying reptiles online can be a scary process. It's less scary now than it was, you know, 15 years ago when I was doing it. Uh, cause 15 years ago, you're emailing back and forth with this person that you may or may not have heard of. It, it's sketchy, but now it's, it's so much easier to find out if the person who you're ordering from and to get pictures from them of stuff. And it, it happens so much faster, but, uh, how much have you bought online, online, Ryan? Uh, every single thing. That's right, because you because uh, you live in <laughs> bumfuck Kentucky, and nothing comes near you. Near you. Well, so. it's also because of the fact that um, 
I don't know how to sound not like an elitist or a snobby bastard. No, we get it. We get it. You're an I asshole. What, I know what I want. So <laughs> I was into Superdome Pythons whenever I was a kid. And then I... Which was like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was way old. I was doing this the other day, actually. It's been eight years since I like was really into it. And then I stopped doing it. And then two years ago, I got back in and was like, I want my first python because I never had a python. I always had like random wild caught colubrids in my room. You sound like that person that uh, that you always hear that go when they talk about having a snake. They go, "I want to buy a python," but they have no idea that pythons have more than one species. Oh, yeah, they're, you're like you're, you go like Aspidides, and they're like, "What's that?" <laughs> like, oh, you're, my cousin had a python, and you're like, "What color? What did it look like?" It was yellow. It was a Burmese. <laughs> like that's, that's it was got it. It was got it. See, well, now it can be ball pythons. That's true. Uh, albinos are much, and bananas, bananas are much easier to get. Remember how? Remember how expensive albinos used to be? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I said, every, every, every time someone's like, like, "I've got, got a yellow python," python or, or someone, someone has, has a yellow python, python it, was it was automatically a burn because I mean they were everywhere. Dude, oh my god! Like even like that redneck pet store I was saying about the heavy caiman, you could get a, you could get a normal Burmese python for fifty dollars, or you could get the albino for a hundred and fifty. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy how cheap that shit is now. And they were just like they literally in a pile in the cage under the red light in the corner. It was like a forty watt light bulb, and they were probably all had terrible respiratory infections. Oh, oh my! But no, I've literally bought everything, and I've known like I've liked super well, particularly pythons. So I. When I got back in, I just literally started googling stuff and YouTubing and researching. I found Garrett, and I had never bought any animal offline. Well, Garrett, Garrett's, Garrett's not a good place to go if you want a super dwarf free tick. I hear he's pretty bad. It's, he's, he's <laughs> mediocre at best. But what I like, what you get the point of nowadays. Also, I mean, even when because I'm sure you probably bought off King Snake and stuff, and you had to do have. you had to do Delta Dash. No, no, uh, <laughs> I told the story before. Uh, I ordered two adult. Boa constrictors, ironically from Rob Stone, didn't realize it was Rob Stone until like a month ago, but I bought them in 2005 from Rob Stone, from High Plains Herb, and uh, they came to me in two decent-sized boxes, taped together to count as one package, labeled live frogs, and they came through like UPS. <laughs> I can't do that no more. <laughs> no, can't do that. But I do remember Delta Dash used to have to be, if you were going to do it, it had to be Delta Dash. Yeah, you had Legally. to like, do the crate. You yeah. had to like, make your own crate and stuff. And they had to get, well, you had to send it to them, and they had to double check your crate, the way you make your crates passes their inspection, and then you could be licensed to do it through them. It's so, people don't understand how much easier it is now to be able to order something online. Like, <laughs> it's insanely easy. So I learned about like all the reptile stuff because I used to watch YouTube videos back, you know, then like people when YouTube first started, which is crazy because I remember like three reptile people, which one of them was Viper Keeper. Sorry. <laughs> the other one was this kid who like he was trying to do a business selling sand boas and viper boas. This kid was captured bringing sand boas way back in the day, and he showed like he had one video that was like how to build a Delta Dash container, <laughs> and that was part, so when I or, was talking to Garrett, he's like he's got the video where he shows his little box and I'm like no shit that costs your Delta crate and he's like, yeah we ship them FedEx now and I'm like really and he's like he's like you're young why do you know this stuff I'm like I've been a nerd forever I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's so easy now. My, uh, my, buddy, my buddy Debbie at uh, Reptiles DU is where I get all my shipping supplies from. And like, I've got a whole box full of just styrofoam inserts that are cut out to fit the box that I have and the little cryo packs. I'm like, you just throw it together and take it to FedEx and it's gone. And you don't have to worry about any of that. They're all licensed for it. It's, it's, people are spoiled. <laughs> it's, uh, they're really, really, really spoiled. It's so much easier now. But, and, because uh, I watched Emily's video. I haven't watched Adam's video yet. I actually was m meaning to watch it. And then you were like, hey, 
uh, what are you doing tonight? So I didn't get a chance to watch it. <laughs> but Emily's video, actually, she covered a lot of good points, you know, talking about, you know, basically like people going through and asking you all the right questions and stuff, which I'm really glad she said that because she mentioned what we talked about earlier about, uh, you know, food and stuff like that. Like, is it being force fed? Is it eating live or whatever? Stuff like that. Yeah, and, there's uh, there's a whole list of questions that people need to ask. And I think it, it's a fine line between being too annoying and asking what should be asked. And, and the breeder should should understand that. Like, don't ask me to send you 15 pictures. And she mentions that don't ask for, you know, 15, 20 pictures. They'll send you a couple. And as long as you see the whole animal, see it's healthy, you're good. You know, don't, can you zoom in on this little tiny scale? I want to see how red it is. Like, don't, don't do that. No. Um, but I mean, nowadays though, with fam- camera phones, it's so easy just to snap a few pictures and send them to somebody. No. And I thought it was really interesting as she mentioned, uh, I thought it was ironic. She was talking about asking if an animal was wild caught or captive bred while she was holding a black-headed python. But, uh, <laughs> that's actually a question you see people ask a lot. They'll, somebody will post, like, in a classified, and, like, PM for info, and somebody will be like, is this a wild-caught warm-up python? And I'm like, do you not know Australia? But they don't. But, but see, that's the thing that you know it because you're in the hobby. Amanda knows know. it because she's in the hobby. I know because I'm in the hobby. But someone who sees that pretty black-headed python for the first time and goes, I want one of those. Uh, first off, doesn't realize how much it costs. Second, doesn't know doesn't know yeah, about Australia. So upset when they find the price. Yeah, when when they call when they send a message to Jason Hood and he goes, "Oh, this is how much it cost." But oh. it's I, I talk about it a lot. We are many of us are so far removed from the first time we bought a snake. True, you're you're so correct on that. It's very hard to understand where someone's coming from when they first get a snake, or a lizard, or a turtle, or any reptile, or any pet. You know, the amount of it's the amount of information we know now is insane compared to what we knew when we first got when I first got my rainbow boa. I didn't know jack shit other than it's a snake, and I understood reptiles a little, but I didn't understand care. I didn't. I mean, I hadn't done all the research. I walked to a, into a reptile show and said, "That's pretty," and I want it. Man, uh, what was it like when you bought your first snake? Um, what was the uh, we bought two corn snakes because Dallas had to have one, and I had to have. One. You couldn't share. So the first time you saw a baby corn snake, um, did you go, holy shit, that's a small snake? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to break this. Yeah. And, yeah, we did. We bought two. We, we had already set up um, two 20 longs and got heat and everything all running. We're, like, watching the temperatures and making sure that everything's perfect. And then we went – we still live in Florida, in Tampa. We went down to Sarasota, and I think – um, we actually bought ours. Was it from Lee? From Lee Abbott? Oh, like, oh. A, like Abbott and, uh, line. Like Abbott yeah. Abbott. Wow. Yeah. The, yeah. The Lee Abbott, which was kind of disappointing because we tried contacting him like six months later and there was no way to get a hold of him. Yeah. So I mean, we weren't going to pester him with questions, but we just, you know, wanted to ask a handful of things. But, oh, well, we learned. We learned we were trying to figure out um, on our own via payment. So hold on. You keep your snakes in glass tanks. You cohab. Oh, man. You're not going to get to keep anything. They're going to take it all from you. Right. Yeah, I know. Right now, all I just need to do is post up a, a free handling video with Mo. Yeah. <laughs> Be instant famous. But the problem is you can, you could post a picture of your best-looking non-venomous snake just in an amazing setup. 
on a great picture. And then an hour later, you could post you holding a rattlesnake. That's going to get a million likes. Yeah. That's the yeah, problem. Like, that's so backwards. That's the problem. Like, it could be the most rare non-venomous snake that you have. Like, it could be something that's a super imp- shit. It, I mean, I say indigos, but indigos like always get tons my, of likes. But my black kisachi. Yeah, yeah, that would be that's amazing. A rare snake. That's a rare snake. I've never seen anybody else with them? But it wouldn't get any likes. It would. That's yeah, okay. But if you're holding a venomous snake, first off, you get likes, and second, you're an expert Did at that you point. Call it a snake. No, I did not. I've never said. Okay. I've never said the word "snack" seriously in my entire life. Please, dear God, you okay. can't just say "snack" on this show, or 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 "boop the snoot." Danger noodle. Danger. <laughs> shake snake. Oh. Shake snake. That's what Mo is. She's a shake snake. Fucking people. <laughs> see, I. Oh, we we see we are guilty of using all of but it's usually only between the two of us making jokes. And with the kids, because it, with the kids, it keeps their attention. I, I can't, I can't do right. it. Every animal has a name for educational purposes. And so then the kids are like, oh, it has a name. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. I don't, I have names for stuff that I have that are anything that I have that has a name, uh, is probably older than 15 years. And, Anything that has a name that I've gotten within the last year has only been named by my daughter, and I can't tell you what they're called. Uh, she names things that come in, and then she'll go. So a week later, they name it something. Well, she'll, she'll say so and so and call the name. I'm like, what snake is that? I don't like. Give me a color and a species. Come on, I need that's. Oh uh, yeah, ours ours do that too. But so back to Lewis household. It's scientific names only. <laughs> Business. Joe, you better know the current taxonomy. <laughs> I suck at scientific names, and as a science teacher, I should be like, I should know scientific names. I'm like, I, I, I don't. It's, you know, it's too much work. I don't want. I don't want this to be too much work. I know most names if I hear them, but I can't speak in scientific names. So, like talking to like uh, Justin Smith, and he'll throw out all these scientific. I'm like, what is that? What does it look like? <laughs> so, I'm bad about that. But back to buying snakes online. Things you need to know. Things that she talked about. One. Ask what it's eating. Uh, know when it was born. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for pictures of the adults. If you're someone who's buying, buying something for a breeding program, a breeding, breeding breeding project, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask. Now, don't expect them to have those pictures five minutes after you message them. But as myself, if I'm buying something because I've got an idea of the direction I want to go for breeding, knowing what the parents look like do give me a kind a better image of what I can expect. Yes. So I think that's a reasonable thing. And I think people that breed need to understand that's a reasonable thing. And if and if you're going to breed, just go ahead and get pictures of all your breeders and have them in a file, have them on your phone, have them ready to go whenever. You know, just do that one. Yeah, just, that's, just, that's what I like about corn snakes is nobody asks for the lineage like six generations back. Yeah. See, like me, I'm, I'm, I've got my boas. I want to buy a bow with a lot of pink. Well, babies don't always have all their pink in, so sometimes I want to see the adults. Just like show me the parents. How pink were the parents? Okay, and that and that's going to help me figure out if that baby's going to get that way as it gets older. So I think that that's a reasonable question. Um, but before you buy online, do all your other research. Like you should not be asking the person what size cage does it need, uh, what temp. And we've talked about this before, but what temperature should it be at? Uh, these are not questions you need to be asking the breeder when you're trying to buy a snake online. 
Uh, that is well, what Google's for. GTS, folks. Google that shit. Well, I feel like you could probably ask a breeder that because, you know, some breeders might tell you something, you know, contrary to what other people are saying. Like, if you ask uh, yeah, but- Terry Phillips how, what, how he did things is one thing. But don't go in like that day and be like, hey, I'm buying this now. By the way, I need to go to Petco and buy this cage. What size should I get? Like, or out of hand. if you're going to ask, show that you've done some research. You know, I'm said this oh, before. Yeah. Show that you know I, I've got this plan for it. Do you think that will be fine? Uh, yeah, this sure. is the temperature I was expecting to keep mine at. Do you keep yours at the same temperature? Show that breeder that you've done your due diligence, and they're not just sending a snake or a lizard or a turtle off to die. Like, because because unfortunately, th- that happens a lot in this hobby. I mean, we we do send animals off with. Knowing that a certain percentage are gonna gonna not make it, and it's not always the animal's fault. Um, That's why I'm terrified of the concept of producing babies one day. <laughs> uh, and so, just cost. Also, no cost. That's one thing that on the Animals at Home podcast you talked about was cost. You know, a lot of folks only think of the cost of the animal and not the cost of everything else. And as I think it's Eric has talked about. Uh, I think it was Eric that talked about saltwater fish. You know, we'll spend so much money, or is it? Yeah. You know, we'll spend so much money for six, on the tank and the setup, and then buy these fish. Whereas us, we're like, we spend a thousand dollars on a snake, and then we throw it in a shoebox. You buy a three thousand dollars hypo carpet python and put it in a fifty dollars sterilized tub. <laughs> yeah, it's. But at the same time, I'm going. Yeah, but I I own rack systems, and I do the same thing. But so like, but but I th- I also think if you're buying. If you're someone who's out there buying your first animal online as a pet, you're buying your pet, you can put it in a tub. That's fine. As long as you set it up correctly. But, but why? I mean, if it's, if it's your pet snake, if it's only, like, I get it when I've got 30 or 40 snakes, but if you have one or two, what does it take to go buy an exoteric cage and really set it up? You know? So I think some of that thought needs to go into it. And they, and they talk about that on there. And I, it gets iffy online because online, if you tell somebody to keep something in a tub, there's two sides. There's the side that keeps things in a tub. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And there's the other side who just wants to yell at you for keeping it in a tub. Be in the middle. Be in the middle. Understand a tub is fine. Hell, look at the tubs that Justin and Jake use when they use those Python portals. Oh, those are freaking gorgeous. I the, love those. Those, those sliding, sliding glass, glass fronts, fronts on a plastic, plastic tub. tub. Who would have thought, thought that was a thing? thing? <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember keeping my first bow in a big tub. And, and having to take the pop the lid off and all, but if a sliding glass lid, I mean, you put that on a shelf, yeah, it's a tub, but it's a clear entrance, you can see it, see all the decorations. Uh, and the great thing about plastic tubs like that is it's very easy to drill into the sides if you want to put perches and stuff like that. Did you see Austin Work, what he did with one? No, I didn't. Austin Work at Rage Brew Reptiles made a vivarium out of one. Really? Like, he did a foam background with bromeliads, and I, it's it's gorgeous. Um, if anybody's interested, you need to go follow Austin Work at Rage Brew Reptiles. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing picture. Like it has sold me because I've, I've wanted the Python portal for a long time because, you know, Justin Smith and Jacob Rocks talk about it all the time on their podcast. And, uh, I just saw that picture of Austin Walker. He was the guy who like, he's like, this is the potential. Like you can have what the Conjure guys do where it's a very clean, efficient, you know, keep it simple, stupid kind of sterile setup. Or you can do a complex bioactive vivarium like Austin did. And you're like, Man, these are really. If you're going to be a, a beginner and you're into DIY, I think that is. Have, have you, you looked, looked into, into the, what's, what's the cost, cost of a Python portal? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, I've looked into them. So, I mean, you buy the tub. So, depending on how big the tub you want to get, I want to get some three foot tubs from Target. Yeah. So, they run about 20 bucks for a tub. And then you get your 
your kit, which is about I think they're like maybe sixty ish dollars. Which, which I, I well, well, that's, that's why I want to know. I mean, like 60 to 80, right? Depending on the size and what you do. Because some are, are, are sliding, like two-piece sliding, and some are one-piece sliding. Yeah, the Dracos, the smaller ones, which they're a little more expensive because you, the, those kits come with the glass. The Python portals, you cut its size and yeah. it yourself, and then you take to a glass shop the whole tub, and they put your glass in for you. Well, that's why I wanted to hit on it. The price may look a lot. Like you say 60, 70, 80 bucks. But then think about this. You only spent 20 bucks on the tub. You know, and now you have an entire cage. And and the great thing about these Python portals and the Dracos and the whole thing is you're using these Rubbermaid tubs, which if you have a high humidity species or even a moderate humidity species, that thing's going to hold humidity amazingly compared to oh, yeah. a glass tank with a screen lid. And you're going to have to alter that. You know, when I first got my rainbow bowl, we did so much of like trying to cover the top with some plexiglass and some wet towels and trying to hold in humidity. Uh, the plastic tubs are amazing at holding in humidity. Especially for some of the people that live farther up north where you have to actually deal with, like, you're heating your house and you're losing a lot of that humidity in your house. I don't really have an issue in Louisiana, but I know a lot of places you lose a lot of humidity. Uh, those tubs are good. I mean, and some of those tubs are really nice. Oh, so. they're, they're super, super nice. I just sent you and Amanda the picture uh, of what Austin did. And it's like, I think if you're a beginner wanting to have uh, an awesome enclosure, you know, you could Johnny Cash that one piece at a time. Get the tub, get the kit. Oh, that's an amazing! I just saw it. that is an amazing enclosure. Yeah, and it's and they're fantastic. I mean, you can share. Yeah, your, that's uh, that's crazy looking. That's awesome. But well, again, if you're a new keeper and you want to get your first, you know, uh, milk snake or something like that, and you want to build an amazing enclosure that you could ha- you could put that in your you know in your living room, and somebody could be like, "Wow, you built that! That's crazy." I think it's a fantastic way to go. I yeah. don't know, though, how the virus has currently been affecting David Brahms. I've seen he's had some stuff sold out on his website, and I know uh, there's been some plastic shortages because it's all going for medical supplies right now. But well, uh, yeah. And I'm wondering if, like, I know some Lowe's sell PVC sheets, 4x8 PVC sheets. I'm wondering if someone made their own box, if these Python portals would fit in a PVC cage. You, I mean, that way it helps you with the sliding glass, because a lot of times having to do the track system and all that... You could, if you want to make your own cage, you could probably use these systems for the sliding glass front on your cages. Oh, I thought about using it for uh, plywood. So I like yeah. to build wood because I'm, you know, it's what I have readily around me available. I can't, it's hard for me to get PVC sheets. So it's easier for me to just either order a PVC cage or go down to the, the lows of the Home Depot and get me a sheet, throw in the back of the Taurus and drive home. <laughs> so so I, I, I like the way those look. Um, it doesn't fit what I do. And that's one thing about this whole hobby is uh, the way that I keep is the way that I keep. It's not the way that you need to keep or you have to keep. Exactly. Uh, steal ideas from everybody. Speaking of stealing ideas, and I kind of like jumped to a keeper tip. As I was uh, Facebook stalking Amanda and Dallas's page, I saw your shower caddy idea. That y'all oh, had. yeah. That thing's amazing. Dallas came up with that. So explain explain that, what you had on there. Okay. So it's – um. Oh, it's like a 16-pound, the 16-pound weight, like, command strip hooks mm-hmm. that you just put on the wall. And I think there's one, two, there's three of them, two of them holding it up. And we keep, um, we have a little uh, Bondo handle thingy that grabs the glass so we can slide the venomous enclosures open. Yeah. That's a dent puller. Um, we have hand sanitizer. There's um, bug calcium powders, our thermometer, 
a watering cup, probe set, and then he got creative. And there's a bunch of cords that hold a roll of paper towels. Cool. On like a plastic tube, and then um, our set of venomous tubes hang back there as well. Yeah, I I liked that. It was it was a nice way to keep everything organized. Um, I've got to get pictures of my my paper. I use the brown like painters paper in my big cages, and I've got it hung up by two paint rollers without the rollers on them. And then those are on the wall, and so I can strip it down and cut it at the length I want. I always find it interesting in the hobby. We're a great hobby at figuring out how to repurpose something for reptiles or for our use. And oh, you know what's really good? Um, and it's not in any of those pictures. The magnetic strips that you get for your tools. I have. I have some of my tongs and like a knife and scissors on it. We have. I have a little bookshelf next to the three green cages, and we do. We have a cobalt one and. Yeah, I've, bad idea for Cody. I've got I've got one. Uh, my mom with my mom and dad were moving. Uh, they actually moved out of the house and moved into a camper, um, so they're getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And my mom would always just buy things when it was on clearance, and she had two of these for like putting knives up in your kitchen. The the magnets. I was like, I'll take those, and then I realized, oh, this is awesome. My tongs stick right to them, or scissors stick right to them. I was like, yeah. sold. Uh, that's that's what's well, one thing that's funny now is uh, the hobby is at a great point. Because if you like this, like we're talking about the Python portals, that is a product that is made for that purpose and it's an amazing product. But for so long, many of us, Lowe's was the best place to shop for reptile supplies. Uh, it was a great oh, place. Still, that's, we still use them. Yeah. I mean, they got tubs, they got wood, they got all the stuff you need to help. I mean, it's an amazing place. Uh, I shop, I shop very little, almost never at a pet store unless I need like some feeders here for something or. I just needed something random, and I haven't been to a show or anything in a while. Uh, I love Lowe's. I love Lowe's for reptile stuff. <laughs> but I saw that shower caddy thing, and it reminded me I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was a great idea. If, if y'all go to the Rua Colubrids and search for the shower caddy thing, it's it's on there. Just Facebook stalk their page. There's a lot of cool pictures on there anyways. And when you find it, it's pretty cool. Uh, and then the last YouTube thing, so that was Snake Discovery and Animals at Home. The last YouTube thing I thought saw that I saw that I thought was cool was Riley Jemison's video this week on rare snake breeding footage. Uh, we all know that Riley had uh, a clutch of Madagascar giant Madagascar hog nose eggs earlier uh, and they hatched and he's got like one baby left. One baby made it. Um, but they are, he's at two females and a male and he's got this awesome camera inside their cage and he got footage during the day and at night of the male and the female uh, courting, moving around, breeding. You actually see the hemipenes of the male at one point. Uh, it's an amazing video. I've got a camera that I keep in my snake room so I can always check on stuff, especially if like things in my four-foot cages, if they're pregnant, I'll put it in front of their cage just so I can check from anywhere if they're having babies. Uh, I think that's something that people need to invest in sometimes. Uh, get a camera. Watch your animals. I mean, it's a great way if you just want to check in on your animals from across the country. I can do that because it's all Wi-Fi. I don't know if either one of y'all have ever thought about putting a camera in your reptile rooms or cages. I've I want to put a camera in the um, the calicos that are cohabed. Yeah. Because I have theories about you know their their behavior, but I want to be able to record it and show people consistently. Like, yeah, they're doing this. It's consistent. Well, I know Joe uh, Joe Phelan had a customer who puts cameras in his corn snake tub, and it's amazing how active those things are. Uh, yeah, when we walk into a room and you see your snake just sitting there, you're going, oh, that's what they do all day long. 
But if you watch the camera footage, they're all over the place. There was one they showed uh, like a 24-hour span, and that corn snake went everywhere in that tub. Ryan, have you thought about putting a camera? Oh, I've thought about it a lot of times because, uh, I mean, if you just spend enough time there, you'll see your snakes do some stuff that you, you didn't think about. Uh, for example, because I'm the idiot who messes with retics and wants to buy even more of them, that I've realized they're way more arboreal than we ever want to talk about. And yeah. that's why I've really like, had to like, make the decision to go with more of the Super Dwarf route so I can build these big enclosures that they can have and you know, do all that stuff in. But, uh, I mean, this, I mean, they're always all over climbing on stuff, looking and just watching them hunt and perch and just do all that stuff. I think it's amazing. Well, so I think you definitely learn to uh, do some stuff like uh, Keith McPeak and them talk about you know, being a student of the serpent. And, you know, just pay attention a little bit with the camera. I mean, you can see some crazy stuff, especially with, like an infrared night camera. And they're not that you know, expensive. Like, on the wild on that shit. I think I spent less than 50 bucks on my camera. I can't imagine I spent more than that. But mine has night vision and all that infrared stuff. And uh, they're not that expensive to do. And, I mean, as long as you got Wi-Fi, search, go to Amazon, search Wi-Fi cameras, see what you can find. There's there's a lot of really good ones for not that much. And it's a cool little addition to your snake room. Other thing, it's also a fun thing when people want, if you have a snake room or if you have just one snake and someone wants to know about it, pull up the live feed to your room, to your cage or whatever and show them. You know, if it's, if you have it centered on one animal in a cage, you can pull up the live feed and, and see it moving around, drinking, doing whatever. And if you're breeding, it's definitely a great thing to have. Like, like Riley had here, he got to actually see the process. And I mean, if you watch the video, go to Riley Jemison's uh, YouTube channel and watch it. That male goes ape shit trying to breed or move around on that female. I mean, he's, he's jerking all over the place. He's shooting all over. It's crazy. Uh, but it's stuff that you wouldn't see because that may happen for 30 minutes out of a day. And that was the 30 minutes you weren't in the snake room. So. Well, and that's what Riley was saying about working with these guys was he just kind of did it by happenstance because he put them, in a, put them up in a box and I guess they were just kind of out of sight. And he just, not to say neglected them, but didn't, didn't check on them as frequently and wound up with them breeding. That's cool. That's that that whole I I had that giant Madagascan hog goes at the zoo. They're a cool animal as far as colubrids go. Uh, colubrids are the best. Well, they're they're, awesome. they're, they're all right. <laughs> 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 I, I I do like some of these. The, God, they shit so much. <laughs> I'm I'm used to my feed them once, shit once. And you get corn snakes. Feed them once, shit three times. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> feed them once shit on the side of the tub I'm like what, why was your ass even up there what was it doing up there we, my kids call them pucasos <laughs> pucasos that is uh, a, do, you, uh, do your retics paint the walls um no Hades has like a, a corner like he always poops in the back of his enclosure Ryan yours is defective no, it's a thing. There's a lot of people who, like, they've, like, it's, they'll paint the front glass of, like, these big, nice 10-foot cages people have got made, and just a poo streak from one end all the way to no, the other. No, it's defective. Oh. You just need to go ahead and return it. Oh, I'll get right on it. Uh, not. <laughs> I'll trade you. No. You can, have, you can have Hades. I'll take whatever you want to set up. No. Mine are all well, fine. They're well, all great. He likes his Pucasos. Fix mine, make him less bitey. 
So that was my YouTube stuff. Uh, there were a couple things on social media I saw this week that I thought were interesting. Uh, both actually came from the Simply Snakes Facebook page. I, I like that one. It has a lot of beginners in there, so there's a lot of good beginner questions that I can pull from. Uh, but this question was, I'm going to be setting up, it was by Claire Kincaid, I'm going to be setting up a bioactive tank for my first snake. Should I quarantine the snake when I first get it, and why? I don't, I don't have, have anything, anything besides, besides maybe, maybe a plastic, plastic bin to quarantine it in, and I don't, I don't want to buy two tanks. tanks. So, the, the first, the, the, the simplest answer is yes. yes. That, that was, was the simplest. Like, so people, people should, should just put yes, yes but that's, that's not what you got out of everybody. Um, I mean, the first answer is depends, depends on where you buy your snake from. That is not the correct answer for if I should quarantine it. No. I mean, look, I've bought snakes from very reputable breeders, and every damn snake gets quarantined on the other end of my house. Um, and especially since this person was setting up a, a, a bioactive enclosure, most definitely quarantine that thing. You do not want to put a snake that has mites into a bioactive enclosure and then find out it has mites. That is the wrong time. Forever. You'll throw everything away and start over. Burn the cage. And so, yeah. I, I know we talk about quarantine a lot, but it's very important. Like, it's, it's so important, especially right now. Just quarantine. Quarantine, quarantine animals, quarantine, quarantine yourself, yourself, both of them. But, you know, that that's my whole thing. And that's one thing I think, like, the Python portals. Uh, that's, a, that's a great setup for a quarantine. You know, get you a big tub, put in a Python portal. And that can be, if you are someone who tends to get snakes regularly or plan on getting multiples, set that up on the other side of your room and let that be your quarantine cage. It's a fairly cheap way to put together a cage. It can be the quarantine cage and then move them in with the rest of your animals after a minimum of three months. Well, they actually just talked about NPR the day and Owen McIntyre says something. I was like, damn, that's pretty smart. He said, even if you get the biggest tub you can with the Python portal on it, and then you could, like, say you had, like, you could buy another top for it and then put two heat panels in on the top. And then what you do is you set smaller tubs on the inside. So if you're getting, like, baby snakes, you can just put them in there. Yeah. And use it kind of like a you know like a, a redneck rack as a source. You know, you <laughs> could put it in there, and then you could have your two quarantines. Even you know, two animals means you have a quarantine set. Those two, if you bring in more, then your quarantine clock resets. But you know, you could quarantine them in there. So I was like, that's actually really smart. But yeah, I'm with you. And Keep it simple, stupid. Newspaper. Yeah, don't put bedding. No bedding. <laughs> don't put aspen. Don't put mulch. Don't put su- nothing. Paper towel or newspaper. Something that will allow you to see if there's blood when it goes to the bathroom or if there's mites crawling around on it. Or there's worms. Or there's worms. Like, you need to keep it as easy, simple as easy possible to look at. Um, cannot stress how important it is. And like I said, I was, I was reading through some of these. One well, of the first person was like, depends on where you buy the snake from. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> it is not, I, I, bought, I bought my brittles from Nick Mutton. I trust Nick Mutton. That snake is still in my bedroom. It will go through its full quarantine in my bedroom before it comes to my snake room. So I, I feel like there's 22 comments on here, and that's 21 more than you needed because simply the answer should have been yes. Yes, you need to quarantine it. It's also as bad as what kind of carpet python is this? And and the big thing is uh, I understand cost. I understand I don't want to buy two cages, but you don't have to buy a great cage for your quarantine cage. A tub works. <laughs> That's that's a great time for a tub. If you want, if you've got this amazing exoteric cage set up for your animal, and that's where it's going to go, that's wonderful. A tub works for the first three months. Mm-hmm. So, but that was that was my quarantine uh, lecture for the podcast, which I'm sure I'll have another one next time. But I saw that and I was like, oh, 
you know, Facebook, you start getting all these experts answering. And I'm like, why are there so many long answers? It's, yes. That's all you needed. And then the other question I saw, or the other thing was, uh, and this one was just interesting. It said, I need some advice. My son has a corn snake in a vivarium. I'm trying to get him a milk snake from a reptile shop, and they wanted to know what it was going in. So I told him a large vivarium. Uh, he said, the guy there said no. So I said, what about a tank? The guy still said no. Uh, and then she said that it doesn't keep, oh, the guy said that it doesn't keep its heat. And then she says, what the hell am I meant to keep it in? I'm so annoyed. And I can fully understand that whole process. Uh, sometimes you go into these shops and they feel like they are the expert and they feel like you don't know anything and they don't talk to you in a way an explaining kind of the way they should explain it to you. I see it all the time it shows too. Uh, some people, and as Joe has said it before, some people are not people, people, uh, they, they don't know how to talk to people. And so I feel bad for this woman because I feel like she did the right thing. I don't feel like she was in the wrong. Uh, so she wanted to go in by the snake and said it was a large vivarium. The guy should have explained, well, the large vivarium will be fine, but it may stress out a lot. You may want to start with a smaller cage, this and that, not, no, and shut them down. Um, I don't know if either one of y'all have experienced that kind of uh, hostility when talking to somebody or asking questions early on, maybe. Or I know Amanda. Uh, I know some some women say that they have that issue a lot when they talk to like people at reptile shows that the women don't get the same responses like if a man walks up to talk to a breeder. And so I don't know if you've had that issue. Oh, I've I've had people tell me all sorts of crazy things. Um, I have had people where I start a conversation with somebody and then Dallas is standing next to me and they immediately turn on a conversation with him. Like, I don't exist. Yeah. I, that's crazy. Um, I mean, so could you imagine, point to, well, could that? you, could you imagine Tracy Barker? Someone doesn't know, doesn't know visually who she is. Tracy Barker walks up to a table and someone talks to her like that. Like that, that's insane. If, if, if they were to walk up and, she turned to Dave and not talk to Tracy like she knows what she's talking about. I'm like, she's she's the queen of this stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I feel people have got to learn how to talk to people. I, I Yes, you may know more than the person asking you questions. That's fine. But you don't have to act like you know. Like, you don't have to be an ass about it. Right. It should not be a guessing game where the buyer needs to be like, um, do I use this? No. Do I use that? No. Yeah, I mean. I mean, we, we should be educating and that's you know we sell corn snakes so you know that's somebody's first pet most of the time yeah you know we're always you know what are you putting in maybe when it's a year old which i want to think about smaller because this that the other well and you in with corn snakes and joe talks about it a lot on his the problem you run into is definitely the caging for a baby uh you can't just throw it in a 10 gallon tank there's a good chance it's going to get out of that tank <laughs> you know they're very good at getting out of stuff um, I, we keep all of our babies double contained because they escape. Yeah. And so that's something like, like I said, this, this woman, when she asks questions, a large vivarium will be great when that snake is older. You see, simply could have said, look, start it off in something small, let it grow for a year and then move it. Um, and then to say that the tank doesn't keep heat. I mean, tanks, it depends on how it's set up. Like it's, if you've got a thermostat and heat tape underneath the tank, it's going to keep heat for your, Milk snake. I mean, it's a freaking milk snake. The I I keep my ball python in an aquarium, and he does great. 
Well, Sheds in one piece, eats poops. <laughs> Eric keeps diamond pythons in a glass tank. I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely doable. It's not. Again, I think the problem comes with uh, we have this mentality that people should keep the way we're keeping. And that's and that's kind of how this guy probably works in the store. Goes probably thinks that he's doing everything he's doing is the way it should be done. And if anyone else has any other option that's different than what he's doing, that's not how you do it. Right, cookie cutter answers no matter what. Yeah, and that's just yeah. that's not the hobby. That's that's not how. I mean, I guarantee I can walk into my snake room. I can walk into either one of y'all's, and we're not keeping the exact same way, but we're keeping fine. Our animals are healthy. They're surviving. They're doing great. You don't have to keep the same way. And so I felt bad for this lady. Like I it's especially going into like some of these pet stores, it's just like like Joe says, some people aren't people people. And this person was not a people people. Yeah. Well in working retail, you know, somebody has a negative experience, they're gonna go tell ten of their friends. Yes. Before they before they ever share a positive experience too. Exactly. Oh, yes, unfortunately. Uh that's that's just how it goes, you know. So every time I every time I see like a positive uh, comment about our podcast on Facebook or anywhere else, I'm like, oh my god, it's amazing because I'm just I don't expect them. I'm, I'm at the point where I don't, I don't expect positive stuff. I expect, I'm waiting for this show stupid and I can't stand his voice and I wish he'd quit talking because I mean Ryan says it to me all the time, but I just ignore him. <laughs> but in those negative comments too, you got to remember like people are giving them to you; they're watching. Yes. They're, they're listening. They're paying attention to what you're doing yes. long enough that they've formed an opinion. So. Uh, Dallas sent me something the other day about uh, one of those bait titles. It was bow hunting, um, invasive berms in Florida. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And it just, this video was like this dude bro and his little squeaky girlfriend going to Florida bow hunting. Um, what was his name? Slay something. Um, his name was Slay? His his last name. Uh, I it was like Kyle or... But he called all of his listeners the Slayers. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. Yes. Yes, it was. I, Look, I, I'm, I couldn't finish watching it because the girl was so squeaky and he was so obnoxious. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what people are going to think And see, and when I mention snakes. And with that said... I'm one of those people that fall in that group, and it, I know it may be a small group of us in the hobby, but I would go hunt berms in the Everglades. I mean, I wouldn't do it like Absolutely. a dick, but I would. And if somebody like, yeah, I, I would humanely euthanize them. I'd shoot them in the head, you're done. But I mean, they don't belong there. But I love to be like, they should be caught and, and kept or released in the wild. I'm like, that's that's not how that works. You don't just go, you don't randomly right. pick them up and then go put them in India. Like that's not. That's not how nature works, <laughs> you know. That's how you always. We can't shoot. We can't ship them back. Well, it's like people. They, you know, I was just in uh, at Baton Rouge at the vet hospital for one of my snakes, and we were looking at Mike the Tiger's cage, our setup. And if anybody's never seen Mike the Tiger set up at LSU, don't you dare say Tiger shouldn't be kept in captivity because that that setup is fucking amazing. Uh, the, that tiger's being better cared for than probably any other tiger in the country. Um. But people always see that and they go, that tiger should be released into the wild. That's not how that works. That tiger's never been in the wild. That tiger is not from the wild. It should not be released into the wild. Same as I I get those Burmese pythons are in the wild in the Everglades. That's completely different than in the wild in India. So, 
you know, and a lot of people want to be like, well, we, should, we can keep them and keep them as pets. Do you really want to keep a 15-foot pissed-off berm that has never been handled by a person in its entire life? That's, yeah, that's a horrible idea. I'm like, it's it's not going to calm down. No matter how much you think it, it, you can reason with it, it's, it's, it's always going to hate you. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think going down there and hunting them would be cool. But when it's done on the internet in a douchey kind of way, it does leave a bad taste in your mouth. No, it's the, yeah, the Python thing. Cause one, I always, I, I never tell people to keep particularly pythons because I'll, I mentioned it one time and somebody was like, like, aren't those the ones in the Everglades? And I'm like, shit. So I always tell people they're dwarf pythons. <laughs> That's what I, I, I refer to that. Cause here's the thing. That's a good strategy. I like that. I just, I tell them like, yeah, I keep pythons. And they're like, oh, okay. What well, kind of like they're called dwarf pythons? They're, which technically they're, you know, Malaya python reticulatus, Jampionis crosses. Cool. Or a python. I'm gonna stick to it till the day I die. It'll keep the rednecks out of my. Well, because generally in the public, when you say python, they think twenty foot snake. I'm like, oh, exactly. have you ever seen a children's python? Come on, like they're uh, not. I, I want one lone pygmy python just to break out whenever they say that. Like, just here, pop out a anthill python. Just pop out of Stimpsons and go. This is full grown. Yeah, but it, it will I eat mean, you. The the Burmese thing is just so out of hand because um, it seems to be there's three groups of people, which I've actually met one. Of like, because there's usually people who are like uh, run around and then chop their head off and skin them and make them into boots because you know there's <laughs> like the like those just those crazy hicks and they're they're insane like I'm gonna eat this thing and I'm like have you never heard of mercury poisoning you crazy ass but that's another subject and they want to make boots and belts and shit then there's other ones who are like you know they're uh, they're all for the preservation of the environment so. They catch them. They humanely euthanize them, and they don't make a big deal. They don't take a lot of pictures. They don't make it this big deal. Well, yeah, there's not a, there's not a picture of them going. This snake almost ate me. Yeah, and then there is the people which I've finally met one, and I'm just it was a very interesting conversation of the people who are like, like it's not my fault that they're there. They're wild animals. We need to let them be. And you because know, that's I had this conversation about feral cats, which I'm saying out of that. Thing. I, fucking I fucking hate feral cats. cats. All, all the conversation, conversation, they should they all fucking die. die. And I don't care if you love cats; you can love cats in your goddamn house. I I, 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 I have cats too, but I'm I have, I'm like I hate feral cats because uh, I'm uh, I'm an outdoorsman. They so kill so, so much shit. Oh god! And I always I hate, hate the. Well, that's, that's what they're supposed, supposed to do. That's not what they're fucking supposed to do. That's what you think they should do. Those aren't the same thing. I'm sorry. I, 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 have, I have a strong stance on feral cats. Yeah, and it's like, it, but it's the same concept. People are like, you know, it's a, it's a wild invasive animal. And yeah. They don't like that. Uh, the Burmese pythons are wild invasive animals. So you, but the people that talk about, it's, it's, I've only talked to one person like this, and this is a very interesting conversation. They're like, like we well, you know, that's nature. We've altered with nature, so we have to let nature run its course. You know, and I'm like, that's no, so we, weird. we need to fix that shit. I, I'm like, I don't know how we could fix it, but it's just interesting. So those are the three people I've come across that are like that. And uh, uh, I, I'm with you, James. I could probably do it. Part of me would be like... It, it, it would suck, suck a little bit. bit. We, we'd, go, we'd go, man, it's kind of cool and beautiful, because I think Burmese pythons are pretty. Uh, I think, actually, that's why I think almost all pythons are pretty, uh, except for chondros, because they're just green. <laughs> one color, they're green. Ooh, ooh, Bill's got a black one. Ooh, ooh, ooh it's, it's on a stick. stick. There's an albino in Alabama. Who? <laughs> well, like that's sarcasm, by the way. I, I, I could, could, I could, I could kill, kill them. 
Uh, that sounds bad, but I, I could get, I could help get rid of, not the Condros, not, not killing Condros, the, the Burmese pythons. Uh, cause at the same time, yeah, they're cool and I like them, but on that same trip while killing them, you're going to see tons of alligators and realize this is supposed to be the top predator. Yeah. We fucked it up. This is where, this is who's supposed to be in charge and they're not the only one in charge now. Yeah. So it would suck. But all, Man, a, a python would be such an awesome like animal to articulate. Yes, yes, it would. Oh, by the way, tell Dallas thanks for sending me the uh, the bow fishing video. I'll watch it later. Oh, you're welcome. I sent that from his. Oh, phone. did you? Uh, yeah. Thank you. I'll. I'll yeah, I figured I'll, that way. I didn't want to actually say the guy's name <laughs> there because I don't want to advertise for him. Oh, you yeah, know. But I'll, uh, I'll watch it and throw up a little bit in my mouth later. It's cool. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a huge a huge proponent of getting rid of invasive species. Like, uh, other than humans, I mean, we are an invasive species, but please don't go around killing us. Like, that sucks. But uh, well, we found that line. That <laughs> from, that's the one you invasive can only species. Kill four rabbits, and you can't four, kill people. Four, well, can't kill most people. <laughs> I mean, I I could put together a short list. I'm sure. Just give me five minutes. But I, I the cat one always bothers me, just because people want to kill like native snakes. Um, and you're talking about cats because, well, they do things like kill snakes, but they're not supposed to. They're not, they're not supposed to. That's not, that's not how we plan this. And then I was like, well, they belong there. I'm like, no, they don't. Is it a bobcat? Because if it's a bobcat, then yes, it belongs there. But if it, is it, I mean, is it your little furry Persian? It doesn't fucking belong there. I'm just having flashbacks to the power station. Are you talking about the rabbits? Poor rabbits. <laughs> what about the bunnies? So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was, that was the other night on the uh, s- snakes and stogies. Uh, I found out at what point I feel like a monster when killing feeders. So I used to get rabbits for free from a friend. So they bred breeder ra- uh, like show rabbits, and I would get the ones that just didn't weren't going to be good show rabbits. And they would bring them to me, and I was never good at the like you're supposed to grab them behind the head and the back legs and pull and pop and they die. I could never do that because I did it once and it screamed like bloody murder. So I always kept a stick and I would just hit them right behind the head and they die immediately. They bleed a little bit, they die immediately. Well, I need. I had friends. She's like, I've got some I need to bring to you. It's like cool, and I was expecting like four, three or four. She brought me eight, and they're all alive. And I take them on my back porch and I'm killing. I'm hitting them with a stick and putting them in a pile. Hitting them with a stick, putting them in a pile. I kill the fourth one and then finally I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't kill anymore. The other four are looking at me. I feel like a fucking monster. Four is my limit. Any more than that, and I'm a fucking, I can't kill anymore. So I was like, at any given time, four rabbits is the most I can kill before I feel like a horrible human being. Yeah, we raise our, we raise all of our own rabbits. And that's what we do because we don't have a, a catch team or set up for Yeah. And we just, we have a little, like, just put it right behind their head and pull and it pops and they wiggle and they're dead and it's, it's like I think I'd feel different feel for so bad for them but I think like, for a rat I'd feel different and I, I know this sounds bad it's a living thing I don't know those four rabbits sitting in that little cage staring at me I'm like nope I'm done guys and I took their cage back I was like here I, you'll have to bring these back another time or do something else with them I was like I can't kill them right now <laughs> so they, four uh, rabbits that's the limit four rabbits it's, it's, the, it's the limit of being a monster Anything more than four, and you're a fucking monster. No more. Oh, that was horrible. I've I've had to relive that, but now I don't have anything that eats rabbits. I'm good. It's only rats, and they all come in frozen. Um. Oh, but I did want to mention I uh I did talk about going to LSU the other day for their vet hospital, 
I had to take my boa constrictor down there. She's had a, I talked about it before on the show. She's, she had a growth on the front of her face. It got a lot bigger lately. Uh, so I took her down there for a surgery to have it removed. Uh, $900 later, which by the way, when we talk about buying reptiles, realize those costs are in there. And we've talked about before weighing, weighing the pros and cons. I'm not going to lie. Had it not been for that extra little check that we got from the government this month, she probably wouldn't have got the surgery. And people can think of me however you want. I don't give a shit. But she got the surgery. Uh, they removed it. It doesn't look like cancer. Preliminary tests show that it's not cancer. It's just an abscess. Uh, it's got some infections. The coolest thing was, instead of injection antibiotics, they've got these little beads. They sew into the where they had the surgery, and they close it up, and the beads basically time-release the antibiotic into that area. Oh, that's uh, it, it absorbs into them. Um, and so we're going to see how she does over the next and, and another week or so. We can probably feed her again. Uh, her gum is still a little swollen. There's a little bit of a lump there, but they said they removed all the nastiness. And then uh, at the end of the month, we'll revisit it, and we may have to go back down for them to insert some more beads. They said that uh, there were a couple of different types of bacteria that they found in there and infections. Uh, but fingers crossed. She will make it. She's fine. She's doing fine right now. Like I said, she'll get to eat in about a week. Uh, she's got stitches. She's like We call her Frankenboa because she's got stitches in her face. Oh. Um, and they had to like rearrange some stuff. So she's got, she's got a little cleft lip for now. Um, but I did go through with the surgery. I know some people will be happy. Hey, with it. But God, it 900 bucks. So people out there, if, if you're thinking about getting a snake as a pet, realize that when shit goes wrong, it's not cheap usually. I don't know if either no. one of y'all have ever had to take an animal to the vet and deal with that. Knock on wood, nope. Um, we had one that we took in knowing that it was sick. It had mouth rot. Yeah. It was a little tiny um, eastern milk snake. Yeah. And, you know, the person was just trying to find somebody that would help it because she couldn't afford it. So I was like, yeah, I was like, send it, you know, send it to us. We were taken care of. And, oh, we had to give the poor little thing, like, uh, 10 Batril shots. Damn. It was something, but I mean, they they provided us. They showed us how to do it. They provided us with all these little disposable like um, needles, full. You know, it was probably oh, I forget what it's called. Something as in or whatever. I forget what it's called. It's a big long name, but that seems to be the common antibiotic used for injectable. Ivermectin? No, ivermectin's worms. This I, it's, I've had it in my freezer. Okay. It's okay. But it's an antibiotic. But I've got some extra ones because we tried antibiotics the first time. Before, with my first vet and it wasn't working and then we had to go to the LSU vet which was another thing like it costs a little more because one uh, it everything right now counts as an emergency so that costs more when you have to it's an emergency checkup um, but the, they also ran x-rays which is kind of cool because she sent me the x-rays I may post those on the page later she sent me the x-rays of my snake's face and you can see the lump and you can see the skull and that was kind of cool. That was really cool. That was when, yeah, she, was, like that. when she was like they're going to give x-rays my wife quickly looked at the vet she was can you send those to us? I was like, that's a good idea. So they are, they are cool. Uh, they said there was a little bit of an infection in the bone. We'll see how the antibiotics deal with that. Um, hopefully we don't need any other surgeries. But so yeah, that, that was, that was my last, that was, I spent eight hours in Baton Rouge in my car. I think that I did get out of my car to go look at Mike the Tiger. Um, but I was amazed at how many fucking people there were around me also looking at Mike the Tiger and at parks and all this. But my wife and I, we spent the majority of the day, almost eight hours completely. And that was just in Baton Rouge in our car. We also had to drive there, which was two hours, and then two hours home. So, I mean, we spent, what, 12 hours in our car because we couldn't go into the vet's clinic. And we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go to the zoo. We couldn't go to Bass Pro Shops and walk around. We couldn't do anything. So, that was an entire day of sitting in the car. The, the other problem with the coronavirus is you can't do shit. 
I guess I could have gone to the grocery store and just hung out in the grocery store. I'm sure Amanda would love no, that. No, the grocery store is not an amusement park. <laughs> get your shit and get out. <laughs> get your shit and get out. For those that don't know, Amanda works at the grocery store, and she's loved this whole quarantine. She said it's been great. She said the people are extremely nice and kind, and they're doing a good job of quarantining themselves. Lies and slander. Lies and slander. <laughs> Do we no? We see so many people that come in like three, four, and five, six times. Go home. <laughs> I've tried not to go. I try not to go that much. Uh, and we we tend to not take our daughter into the grocery stores though. Like so, if we're going, uh, yeah, it's my wife or I, we don't take our children. kid. So well, Dallas actually just got. Um, he went and got tested this morning. So we're gonna wait four days and see whether he's positive. And he's got gonorrhea. It's bad. I know, but <laughs> they can clear that up. It's bad. Clap on. <laughs> it drips a little bit, but we can fix that. <laughs> oh man! But here's the crazy thing about the like side note on that about the uh, the kids about thing. dripping. Oh, no, okay. Don't, show, don't drip on show. That's bad. Whoa! Well, hey, that's a crime in some places. That's a crime everywhere. What are you? Do- Damn right. But, I don't know what y'all do in Kentucky, but you need to keep it in Kentucky. Yeah, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but. The, the children thing is weird because I tell people, like, you know, don't bring your kids to the store. And I frame it as in, like, you know, for their safety. But actually, kids are, like, out of, like, the ones they, the, the group they test in China. They touch, well, they touch everything. They, they touch, but they also are, like, super, super asymptomatic. Like, they very, very, very rarely ever had children come down with symptoms. Which, and, like, even they had, like, like infants, like, new newborns. Almost said neonates. Almost, <laughs> Those damn neonates. They almost had almost fucking said neonates. But the newborns were even like they would have you know people t- walking in with their whole clutch of children. Yeah, the whole the whole she had a whole litter the other day. A fucking litter. I have seen that. I've seen like like families walk in like five or six of them. I'm like, what the fuck are all y'all doing here? Yeah, you they're said- going to get seafood. That's where they're going. <laughs> I will. I'm not gonna lie. I have. I have gone to get snow crab. I have gone to our Sam's and our Kroger's a couple a couple times because they both have sushi, and I don't know what it is about quarantine, but apparently quarantine makes you really crave sushi, and I I almost never crave sushi, but like I've eaten a ton of it since we've been in quarantine. <laughs> I can't help it. I've, I've I want some right now, but I think I have Little Caesars Pizza waiting for me, so that that's a that'll work. But hey. I'm telling you, when this is all over and there's an all you can eat sushi place an hour away from me, I'm going. Oh, I've seen a whole lot of frozen food packages go flying through these airports. I can't <laughs> believe it. Everybody ordering everything. Amazon, frozen food, stuff you can smoke, everything. <laughs> so that is all I have. Do y'all have anything else from Facebook, podcasts, YouTube, anything you saw this week that you were like, what the fuck? Uh, actually, I did want to mention something that happened this morning. I don't know if anybody else saw this or the NPR chat. Uh, which is NPR and Morelia Python Radio, not NPR, National Pilot Radio. <laughs> We're talking about the, the good stuff. Uh, apparently, somebody has sent a letter to the Senate or Congress oh, yeah. uh, about trying to ban the importation of exotic animals completely into the United States. I, uh, for I, protection I, I, against I, posted, I posted that on our group yes, yesterday or this morning because Dave Kaufman posted that uh, little thing with a link to like the form letter you could fill out and send in. Um, so I did post that on our Facebook page. Uh, but yeah, they're trying to shut down like all of it, all of it, not, not yeah, just like, it, like every, like not even like wild caught everything. 
like Australia. They want to go full on Australia. It feels like it's either one of two things. It's either somebody who overreacts and just literally shut down stuff, or it's somebody who went, here's, here's our, our fucking, fucking chance. chance. Well, it, well, here's the thing. Everybody, um, everybody that loves to support the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, I hate the Humane Society. Society of the United States. Um, <sighs> they are completely 100% anti-reptile. And I'm not, I don't mean like they support, so they have on their websites that there is no reason you should ever own a reptile. Um, they are completely against it. They say that all reptiles should be wild and, you know, well, and crap like that. They're in cahoots with the park. They're in cahoots with PETA, and, and the two of them, two of them are the worst things to ever happen to owning animals as pets ever. No matter how much they want to look like they love animals, bullshit. And we've talked about it before on here. You know, people wouldn't give two shits about ball pythons. If we didn't have them as pets and realize what they were like, like I mean, if they were over in Africa, shoved in the ground like they are, people here wouldn't give two shits about them. But the fact that they're here, they're pets, we start to think about, oh yeah, we need to try and try to make sure we don't fuck this up for the future. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I just want to say, at the moment, everybody should take even uh, if you got your stimulus money, a little bit of that Trump money. Hey, spread the wealth. Give give city a hundred dollars, twenty dollars, whatever. Give whatever you can to uh, you know U.S. Arc. Is it U.S. Arc or uh, stop this before it turns into something? What's the other one? Is it PJAC? And that the other one? I don't know the other one. I just say U.S. Arc is the only one I've ever supported. Then uh, not not because of it like I anti it, but that's the only one I've known of. Yeah, yeah because they fought the Lacey Act with me being into large constrictors. Um, that's a very big thing for me. Even when I was a kid, like that broke my heart when I realized the Lacey Act went into place. And well, one thing, one thing I liked last week, and I. Uh, one thing I really took away from talking to Eric, from Mr. Burke, I'm sorry, Mr. Burke. Mr. Burke? Mr. Burke? Was that uh, <laughs> sorry, he was man. talking about taking a percentage of every animal he sells. He takes a percentage of every animal and and sends that to U.S. Arc. I thought about, that's amazing. I've never thought about taking, what, 5%, 10% of a, an animal sale, setting it aside, and that being my contribution to U.S. Arc. I was like, that's an amazing idea for all, it's all breeders. Because in reality, all of us need to worry about it. Yes. And, and everyone who owns or even especially anybody that breeds snakes, U.S. Ark is is your hero. They're there to save you. Mm-hmm. And I've never thought, that, you know, I always go, man, I don't really have any money to, to donate. I'd love to be able to donate. But, yeah, if I sell a snake for 80 bucks and I send them $10 off that sell, it didn't cost me anything. And it's it's a good it's a good use of that money. It's, it's it's basically buying insurance, like like Mr. Burke said. It's basically buying insurance in this hobby. You know, send them five or ten percent of every every animal sell, and buy yourself a little insurance that if something happens, they're still going to be around to help you. They're going to send lawyers and they're going to help fight whatever for you. So, yeah, I, and I, I I hate to end on a, like let's say a somber note, but like that's one thing. Like I think everybody should take a moment, give a little bit of money to U.S. Arc. Maybe if you're not completely lazy, uh, Google who's your local representative. Send them an email. Don't be an asshole. Be very polite. Yes. Business-like almost. Send them, say, like, thank you. Like, hey, my name is so-and-so. I keep reptiles. Blah, blah, blah. Tell them how it can help the economy because they're they're businessmen. Almost all the people in Congress, they're, they're businessmen. So they want to know how that could affect local, you know, like, tell them local pet shops that you're taking money from local pet shops or whatever. Just frame it in that kind of way. Be very polite. Tell them to have a great day. Yeah, don't yell at anybody. Don't cuss anybody out. None of that will ever help you. You drop, you, drop a, you know, start cussing somebody on an email. They're gonna delete you, ignore you, block you, whatever. Uh, but I think we should all take a couple of moments of our time. 
give some money if we can. If you can't, at least write a letter to your representative saying that you flat out oppose this because if you if you send a letter, like a handwritten letter, that gets their attention. Yeah. That let lets them know, uh, you know, hey, this is on people's radar. So, you know, so, it's, it's my, that's my soapbox. I'm gonna step off it now. No, I agree. And like I said, I, I shared, like I said, Dave Coffin shared that and then had the form letter. The very least, go through and put your name on any lists they have, any petitions. Do that kind of stuff. Don't sit around with the mentality of someone else will do it. Because if everyone sits around with the mentality of someone else will do it, no one will do it. Exactly. So, so be proactive. Like I said, what I took away from Mr. Burke's interview or talking with him last week was that whole, I'd never thought about that, but it's amazing. There's so many of us, when you go to an expo, there's so many people in there selling animals. If every single one of them sent just 5% of each animal sale in, I mean, imagine what we can do. So, anyways, I don't have anything else. Amanda, do you have anything else that you want to talk about that you've seen that you're like, besides crazy people at the grocery store? Um, well, I just think it's kind of cool that the coronavirus has helped shut down and postpone the rattlesnake roundups. Yeah, that is awesome. Hell so, yeah. like, that was that made me really happy. I have seen canceled and canceled. I'm like, yeah, they're going to live. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I still can't believe in 2020 that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's one of those, like, again, if I go back to, and I, and I fucking hate cats with a passion, but if I went back to that and was like, all right, guys, we're having a feral cat roundup. We're going to catch as many cats as we can. We're going to kill them. We're going to skin them. We're going to sell their meat. We're going to have little kids take pictures with dead ones. It's going to be great. The outrage there would be insane. But you replace Feral Cat with Rattlesnake and hell yeah, we'll name somebody the princess. Like it's not- yeah, I think it was um, it was Amanda Stewart, maybe? A couple of years ago, she posted an article that was, that was written, I think she wrote it, and the way that it started was, you know, picture you know, these cute, fluffy, you know, I don't know if it's cats or dogs, but she was going into detail about these cute fluffy creatures and all these gruesome things that were happening to them and she's like she painted this picture and you're like oh my god and she's like yeah this is what happens at the rattlesnake roundups it really it just put it in perspective yeah. of like it's it's so horrible that it's this cute fluffy thing and then all of a sudden it's a snake some people well, are like oh whatever we've got to get over the whole mentality of because you fucking hate something then it's okay to kill it now listen i fucking hate cats but i have scientific evidence as to why we need to get rid of them they don't belong there. But you can fucking hate snakes, but literally the snake in West Texas inside of a hole that you've never seen isn't going to do shit to you. It's not going to affect your life. It's not going to affect where you live. The eco- Nothing. Don't kill it. There's no fucking reason to kill it. Just because you hate that, like, just always kills me. Like, how many people want to just kill them because they don't like them? Well, also, it's a bunch of pollution, too. I mean, because the way they push around the holes, they pour, uh, they pour gas down the yeah. hole. And I know we're all like James. You fish, Amanda. You hunt, and I'm pretty sure you fish too, right? Uh, yeah, I try. <laughs> yeah, so like all that stuff goes in the groundwater, and it ruins our fishing too. Like that pisses me off as well. I'm like, I see people do some ignorant stuff like that with like other animals, like groundhogs and shit. I'm like, quit! I'm like, you're getting that shit in the creek, you fucking moron. Yeah, I just because that's why I, it's one thing for someone to kill a snake on their property, like if it was going across the front yard, the backyard. I would never do it. I tell people not to do it, but I get it. I get it. I've got kids. I got this. Okay. It's a completely different thing to go out into bumfuck nowhere, Texas, or in the middle of the woods in Georgia. 
looking for the snake, forcing it to come out just so you can kill it. That's a completely different thing. So, way to go, Amanda. That was you. You ended our podcast on a horrible note. That's awesome. I know I didn't. You did. <laughs> I brought in. The, I brought in the hooray. They were canceled it is this year. Hooray! <laughs> hooray! They are canceled. Uh, Hell yeah! That is awesome. Uh, so that's all I've got. Ryan, Amanda, y'all are done. Y'all have nothing else. Nothing else this week that's made you go, huh? Nope. Um, no. I know, I know there's not a lot going on right now, just because everybody's stuck at home. Nobody's out doing stupid shit. But, so, Amanda, if they want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, Rua Colubrids on Facebook or Rua underscore Colubrids on Instagram, Rua Colubrids at gmail.com. Uh, it's either R- myself or Dallas. It's R- R-U-A, Rua. Right, R-U-A, Colubrids. Call your Brits. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but go ahead, check. They've got some really cool stuff. Uh, they do have a, speaking of, I mean, they're Colubrids, but they do have a retick for sale. If anybody wants a retick. I saw the auto retick. I was like, that's a really weird Colubrid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've always wanted a retick. And then I got my female, and she's just the sweetest thing in the world. And I'm like, oh, she's het purple? And my youngest wants a big yellow boy. So. Every time she sees a yellow berm or a yellow retake, she's just like, ooh, a yellow boy. That way you can be like, I own a yellow python. You have, oh, them yellow pythons. <laughs> One of them yellow pythons. Yeller. Oh, yeller. Oh, yeller. It's oh. Alabama. Oh, oh, my God. There you go. Oh, yeller. All right, Ryan, if they want to get a hold of you and send you all those questions because you're an expert. Oh, my God. I will stab you in the throat with a blunt <laughs> kitchen fork. But <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at Specialized Fauna. Uh, if you really have no life at all you can follow me on instagram at special underscore fdf um but yeah that's it that's how you find me if you really really want to get know me you can just add me on facebook ryan cox i guess i don't know i'm a weirdo but i'll talk snakes i'll say listen listen to any podcast you'll probably find them there uh i've snuck in everywhere but npr i think it's true right ryan's everybody's go-to like oh we need somebody hey call up ryan which is great it's entertaining I told Amanda that you were going to be on here tonight with us, and she was excited. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, because it's just me tonight, or us, it's uh, the Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. That's our email. Or you can find us at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can find our podcast if you're listening to our, our podcast now. Obviously, you can find it wherever you found it. But most podcast platforms, I, I do want to ask. Everyone out there, please go leave like, especially if you're on Apple. Uh, go leave a positive comment if you if you like us. If you if you don't like us, uh, fuck off. But if if you like us, uh, go leave a positive comment. I would just like to see it. It, make, it makes me happy. I'm stuck at home, annoying my wife right now. So it'll give me something Poor else. Baby. It'll give me something else to talk to her about. Look at people love me. So uh, I think that is it. Uh, thank you all for coming on. Thanks Ryan for filling in for Carly. Uh, Amanda, thanks for coming on. Tell Dallas to yeah, fuck off. He'll be having me. We'll have Dallas on down the road sometime later. He's not the most important Rua. That's why we had you on. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> uh, but we will have him on at some point because he is entertaining. Uh, and that's all I got. I hope you all have a great night. And thanks, and everybody, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.